Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Winter is blooming, bitches. It is the Penny Bloom Podcast, a Game of Thrones rewatch pod here for uh for Winter is Blooming. It's week two, episode two. I'm so very excited to jump into season one, episode two of Game of Thrones with my boys here. I am Colton Robertson, and as always, I'm joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And for the first time on this Game of Thrones rewatch, first at first of many appearances on the Game of Thrones rewatch now, the penny to my bloom has returned. It's Tavares Pennington. What's up, homie? Hey, happy to be here. You know, great, great to be back. I oh, found it's some a pleasure to have you. It's been a, it's been a minute. Uh, it, I, I did the math. This will be fifty seven episodes since your last appearance. Oh, goodness, that's a hiatus if there ever was one, huh? It's, it's, it was it was indeed, um, and even even a greater hiatus because that was an episode we recorded in it in like in advance. So yeah. like it had, yeah. it had been it was like two months prior to that being put out that we recorded with each other last so it's been a while it's been a while i'm glad to have you back especially since we're talking game of thrones as i broke down for the people last week on the first installment of winter is blooming uh we got a long history with game of thrones here on the podcast you do well you, you know what the first episode was Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. A deep dive into Game of Thrones. We we specifically created this podcast with reviewing Game of Thrones in its entirety in <laughs> mind on that first episode. And I remember coming to that conversation, like wanting to defend the last season. And then like by the end of it being like, you know, maybe everyone is right. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they did fuck up a little bit there. Uh, yeah, no. So that was a. We've we've talked Game of Thrones since a couple of times. You know, me and you have done our like uh, random episodes where we're like, let's talk about the best episodes of TV of all time. And naturally, Game of Thrones gets brought up into that discussion quite a bit. I I am going to ask since uh, me and Joe kind of went over it last week, since it was the the kicking off of this thing. Uh, well, first, did you watch House of the Dragon? Most oh, of recently, of course, of course. How could you miss Fuck, House yeah. of the Dragon? Fuck yeah! How'd you feel about that? Really good. Like that was like it was a it, certainly a highlight of my week as as it was coming out and went by incredibly fast. But it it provided an opportunity, I think, to reimagine the Game of Thrones universe in a way that I think people have already been talking about it based off the books, which is just this this vast um, sort of this this vast timeline, this vast universe of Game of Thrones type shit. No, and this was, I mean, that story spans 26 fucking years in season one. Yeah, yeah. Which no, is it's like. A, it's I, ambitious. But that's there's a, that's a, a, there's a the jump series. in the middle of that season 
between episodes five and six, that is 10 years. Mm-hmm. I'm not even quite sure Game of Thrones covers 10 years. No, you know what I'm saying? Like well, that was that was the thing that George R. R. Martin mm-hmm. did an interview for Penguin, Penguin uh, Random House, the publisher, and mm-hmm. um he was talking he was asking the interviewer on there who's another fantasy writer, and he's like, What did you think about uh one, the time skips, and two, uh what was it? I forgot what the second what the secondary thing was. What, what was the there were two the two things that most people were upset about. Was it like the pacing? I think it was just like the pacing and the time skips. Yeah, um, it was the fact that nobody was getting the the do and proper. A lot of people felt was yeah yeah like characters. some characters didn't have the time they needed. And from the that discussion, it seemed like those were really big things that George R. R. Martin himself was pushing. Like it seemed like the the writers were more like you know like this is incredibly fast. Like no one is used to this pace um (laughs) did you hear that i did (laughs) um no one is used to this pace but he seemed like he was like really pushing hard for that just to like i think try to capture the scope of what he was trying to write with those books Mm. yeah no and i i think i think mission was accomplished and uh but one thing you lose in that grand scope of of things like that is an episode like this one that we're about to cover today um Mm. Season one, Very episode slow. two, The King's Road, written by D&D, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, and directed again by Tim Van Patty, Tim Van Patten, Timmy Van Patty, TVP, mm. baby. He's, uh, I feel like this episode is a perfect example of the two different types of Game of Thrones fans. Um, because for, I mean, unheard reasons that people don't know, like why Trenton didn't want to come on this podcast. Um, <laughs> it, it, this is a boring episode to him. Um, which is very interesting. I mean, it, it is really? a fair point of view to have if you are in the show for the reasons of the action and the crazy mind blow, whatever. Like for for what you get in the show for, I'm not gonna gripe for. But um, to say that this is a bad episode of television is is where I I draw the line. But if you're not into it, then okay, whatever. But like this is the stuff that I I the world building, all the little details between characters and stuff that yeah. that really makes you fall in love with the characters more. Um, and obviously I, I love all the action and crazy stuff too. So it's like the cherry on top whenever it comes around to it. And this is, this is one of those episodes that takes a particularly different meaning after you've seen the, the later seasons. We'll talk about your mother when I get back, when we see each other again, we'll talk about your mom. (laughs) Well, I guess you were standing at his gravestone whenever you learned who your mom was. You know, shit like that. That's, uh, he was standing next to Ned Stark whenever Samwell was like, your mother was Liana, your father was Rekha. Okay, okay. And was that the first time that John visited Ned there? Because that'd be nuts if it was the first. No, that's nuts. No, probably not the first. He'd been in Winterfell for a while. I can't imagine. But uh, still, still. (laughs) Uh, Mm. uh, Nevertheless, it was uh, very, very cool. and. that was that was one thing particularly that stuck out to me through watching this episode was I'm going to keep looking out for it. A lot of times when John's mom comes up, the natural next discussion, naturally because everyone thinks he killed her, Rhaegar Targaryen comes up. And then we start talking about we start talking about Lyanna very, very quickly after. Wow, like, that's sick. It, it happened in this episode whenever uh, Robert's yeah. like. And what was the name of that one woman that your your bastard's mother? Uh, 
he says like he goes uh oh the name was like Alina that he throws out which was is just it? a little too close to Liana you know what I'm saying yeah. like I didn't catch that huh yeah. yeah, like that's that's some that's some interesting shit, you know. And uh, there's there's a lot of really cool stuff that happens in uh, in this episode in particular. So, are we ready for a little bit of a scene by scene breakdown? Mm. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, we begin this episode in the Dothraki Sea with uh, with the whole Kalasar being led led by Drogo. Uh, they've they've departed Pentos and are heading east. They're they're traveling away from the free cities into the Dothraki Sea, and these uh, the imagery here has always been very beautiful to me. Like all the just the grass for as far as the eyes can see and stuff. Like one thing I've always loved about Game of Thrones is that you know they're shooting on location. Wherever wherever you see the environment, they typically either visually augmented a real environment or built the entire environment from scratch, which is just like so. This grass, for as far as the eyes can see, I, I've always, they were I've doing that. This imagery. They were doing that on the smallest scale they ever did during season one. Very true. Very true. Yeah, like the only the only times that we even see King's Landing at large, like was in that very first episode, the first time we see it. It's mm. like, like that's mm. pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're they're making their way through, and they're being uh. They're being accompanied by Viserys, naturally, that little prick who is, uh, you know, he's... he's Such a shame to the name Viserys. Such a shame to it. This sucks. We got got Viserys, Viserys the old, the peaceful. Mm. The peaceful Viserys. Ooh, what would people call this one? Viserys the unknown. Slam dunk! Boom! Yeah, he sucks. No one knows him. No one fucking cares that he's even alive. You fucking suck. Nobody gives a shit. Even the guy that's like, um, I forget his name. The guy that's like, yeah, you are the true king and I can't wait for you to reign. Like, even him, like the kind of guy that's... Ilario. Yeah, that guy. Even him, he's like, doesn't really seem that he likes Viserys at all. Like, whatsoever. No. No, So, um, which is just hilarious. So, yeah. Viserys, the irrelevant. (laughs) Maybe even better. Um, that's, that's spot on. Yeah, that's no, that, spot that. on. But uh, his plans to stick with Drogo until you know, like he was offered, he was offered some stay back at Illyrio's place. Like, go ahead, hang back. They'll be back. They'll come around. Like last episode, like Illyrio said, like yeah, we'll. Uh, they'll, they'll they'll come around when they come around, man. Like this is up to them. At this mm. point, you ain't got you can't do shit about it. <laughs> um, but he was like, you know what? Nah, I'm gonna stick with Drogo until he decides. We're riding west. Um, he's he's gonna he's gonna stick by his side until he gets his crown fit for a king. He'll get it, and he will get it. He'll get it. That is in that is crown for a king. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jorah was like, "You should have hung back, bro." And he tell he tells Viserys that uh, he uh, you know he didn't mean to offend him, and Viserys is like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." So t- tell me why uh, tell me why the fuck you out here. What's going on with that, Sir Jorah Mormont? What's that, huh? And uh, he's like, ah, you know, good old Nettie Stark. I was gonna get, you know, he said I was selling people. Ugh. Whoopsies, uh, as you do, I guess. I yeah, like, 
Yeah. He's, uh, or what? What was the wording? Was it like, were you trying to buy, and then he was like selling or something like that? Yeah, he was like, like were you trying to procure or something like that? I can't remember exactly what the word choice was, but yeah, he was like, were you trying to buy people? And he was like, no, nah, I was selling them. I was selling poachers mm-hmm. who were found on my land. Fucking Jor Mormont. He's a uh, his he's voice. A, he's a, he's just lacks principle. I feel like. <laughs> And well, just, you know, uh, I think he I think he sees a very cool character development due to his yeah. odd, you know, attachment to Daenerys. Uh, every everything is so that he can be good enough to serve as her her knight. Uh, and, uh, you know, he comes around. It does take a while, though, because uh, it takes a bit. Yeah, it takes a bit. It takes a bit to get used to him. But yeah, he does just seem very just like. Not easily likable. Like, not that he's unlikable, but he's not easily likable. He's nice. He's like a nice guy now. Yeah. You know, he acts nice and he acts honorable, I guess, you know, now. Like, he's very, I guess, to his word, he's honorable now. But yeah, it's just that thing that lingers with him. There's like, Oh man! Oh, the fact the fact that Viserys is like, oh, that sucks, bro. Whenever I'm king, you ain't got to worry about shit like that. Uh, he'll be just <laughs> fine. You could Makes sell you anybody just you want. hate Viserys even more. Yeah, yeah. So he's just such a big piece of shit. And uh, yeah, Ned's Ned's plan was to murder Jorah. You know, got to do what you got to do. It's the king's justice. Uh, and their their way is the old way. He who passed. Ned was a little savage sometimes. Ned, Ned was like, you know, like I'm gonna be compassionate, but hey, man, sometimes I gotta do the thing. You know, you come I'm around this way, you will get clapped. Forward. Hey, that was a clean beheading episode one. Uh, he he's done that a time or two. You know well, that he's got that heavy ass sword. It better go through the neck, bro. That's true. That's true. Right. Which this episode this this moment doesn't come till much later. But um, Ned the Ned's beheading and how that mirrors Rob Stark and Lord Karstark later on. Mm, it's really yes. interesting to me. Well, I mean, like the amount the amount of beheadings we see there too, like uh. Oh shit! Remember Theons of Sir Roderick? Theon, God, ooh, that doesn't uh, doesn't go Theon's exactly as most, planned. Theon's got to be one of the most troubling characters in fantasy Reek. ever. Like Reek. such Reek. a like as a reader, you have to have such a complex feeling about Theon. <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting one, and uh, you know what's what's really interesting to me is like kind of being reminded how much time they let us sit with like these truly main characters and these characters who we come to know as extraordinarily important really are just, just kind of there for now, you know, like even, even John to a degree, the only reason we're projecting uh, like importance onto his story is because we know how important he is. I remember the first time I remember the first time I watched this just going like, I, like I don't really give a shit what's going on with John right now. Like show me, yeah. like show me some other shit. Uh, he's literally just a bastard son. That, I mean, he's a nice guy. I, like I, I was never hating him, but it was no, just kinda right. Like, but I remember he just being didn't like, seem important. Yeah, Oof, that sounds like it fucking blows. He's going yeah. off to live without wife or kids forever. How's yeah. this guy ever going to be important? Yeah, uh, <laughs> when, uh, he has well he's name. He's not important. Yeah, Snow. <laughs> Fuck this guy, no. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, Viserys is like, ah, you won't, you won't have to go through shit like that uh, under my reign. And Daenerys uh, is is nearby, finding her adaptation to the role of Khaleesi a bit of a bit of a struggle. 
know, uh, whenever she gets off her horse and yeah, yeah, like what? Why are her hands? They've been riding. She's holding on to them reins. Bro. So it's like, so is the is it the ride that is why she yes. is so? Yes, it's the it's the it's the amount of time they've spent on horseback. In the book, they actually go into like it's not just her hands. It's her, it's like her thighs, her back, like her ass. Like, okay, I thought it was like, they were trying to say that her and Cal Drogo's concept, yeah, that is what is causing her to, I don't, that's, that, at least that's why I was hoping it was not. I was hoping that it was the ride of the, it was just the, ride. the long it ride. Was the okay. ride. Um, okay, I'm very glad that that. <laughs> yeah, they take some interesting leaps with this storyline as compared to the book. Um, and I was glad to find out that it was book accurate, but they went a little further than the book took it, and we'll get there when we get there. But uh, we do see, uh, we do see for the first time since uh, since last episode, there uh, her her fear whenever Drogo comes to bed, uh, and it's. Uh, it's not going well. It's not going well, but uh, Jora offers her some solace and is like, "It it will get easier. Like you'll you'll have to deal with some shit, but it will get easier." Uh, well, at least I guess you know. At least he's a, a some some form of a comforting voice for Daenerys. You know, at least is. if Jorah's whatever, at least he's some form of comfort for Daenerys right now. Because she doesn't really the have only, anybody, like, and that's why she keeps him around for so fucking long. Yeah, because like, she doesn't have anybody. She has nobody. George's the only one who's there for her. You know, like he's he's trying to hold it down. He's trying to be nice. Um, and that's why it hurts so much whenever she finds out that in a time like this, he was still working working for Varys and stuff. He was reporting back. Um, which is another interesting thing to think about him right now is that you know when Robert oh. receives this letter later on about Daenerys being alive. It's Jorah who reported that. Mm-hmm. It's Jorah who told them that he that she wed a Dothraki horse lord. Oh no! Mm. Yeah, yeah, that man Varys was deep. Like I don't know how he they was, did it. He was out here. Man was deep. That's why I'm very interested to see how um, what's his name from the House of the Dragon, um, Laris, Laris, like how his role develops. Um, cause he seems kind of be to be a early iteration of that role. Mm. Yeah. That and a little finger, a little bit of a, a little bit of a mixture there, but what uh, if the lineage it's split and on one side you have little finger and on the other side you have Varys and like oh, it, they both, but Varys and little finger are not related. But they do somehow, like by marriage, you know, somehow yeah, go somehow up to some sort of connection. To Laris. <laughs> that'd be nuts. But um, yeah, uh, Drogo's been having fun lately, getting fucked up with the boys, the warriors. Uh, and whenever he's done, he's like, "I'm heading to bed." What's up, Danny? Turn around. Uh, and <laughs> it's uh, it's hard. It's hard to watch. Uh, he. You know, he takes her from behind, and she is visibly in pain. Very, very massively uncomfortable. And the only thing in this moment that can bring her any solace is the sight of her dragon eggs. Uh, she she even smiles a little bit at the sight of the dragon eggs. And I was like, I thought that was an interesting choice. And it was a great, great uh, 
just acting scene from Amelia Clark to be going through something like like that on set. That's probably a a degree degrading. Uh, you know, uh, what do they actually do there? You know, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you, but uh, I do like, know. Obviously, yeah, obviously they're they're, they're not, not really yeah. fucking uh, like <laughs> okay, like obviously, but like he's naked naked and unless there's just like something that like just like tapes it you know like under i don't know and he's just dry humping you know is that like what's happening it's it's, you know? some, it's something like that we this would probably be solved with a simple google you know and i've like often thought about it but the mystery has always plagued me you know what i'm saying uh i've always i've always wondered one of the best things uh from behind the scenes that i've learned about this is that jason momoa was massively, massively disappointed with the way Amelia Clark got treated during these scenes early on. And he was uh he was one of the only people who seemed to really be looking out for her in between takes. He would yell yell at people to do everything they could to make her comfortable right now. Like uh he was he was getting uh he was he was very, very fierce in his defense of her <laughs> during during off during the time off camera here. Okay. Um, uh it is basically what I guessed. They wear a penis sock. At least that's what it's called in the industry. At least um, in and the it's industry. it it is basically a dry hump. Um is what they say. Um but yes, it is them both for real. Just dry hump and no face replacement or anything. It's just how much that's how it need for those scenes, like god damn. <laughs> I yeah, hope a lot. Yeah, it's uh not great it's not great especially uh especially since danny is having a real rough time here and uh later on an increasingly uh curious daenerys and one thing i'm not like a huge fan of in the difference between the books and this is that she's still uh there are things about the dothraki lifestyle that by this point she's come to enjoy in the books uh she enjoys the writing she enjoys the like uh being out in the grass she enjoys the the time she spends with her handmaidens and stuff she is still a little hesitant on the drogo stuff but uh you know uh apparently this part is book accurate which i did not know um you know he uh they're, they're talking about the the herd of dragons potentially surviving out east and they're like no the dragons are dead it is known it is known um but then Doria, she tells her an old story about how there used to be two moons and one wandered too close to the sun and cracked like an egg, spilling out thousand, a thousand thousand dragons into the world. And uh, the other the other Dothraki uh, woman says, ah, the moon is no egg, Khaleesi. Hmm. The moon is goddess, wife of sun. It is known. It is known. <laughs> it is known. I have spoken almost, you know, like yeah, yeah, right. kind of the same thing is like, but I, not even like that. It's not even like I spoke. It's like, it is just known. This it is, is fact. Known. Everyone agrees with this. It yeah, is known. Which like, is part of what makes it, what's so funny is that this is a comedic scene. You know, like, it's not yeah. like, it's mm. not one that, you know, the first time I'm watching it, I don't, I don't really take it as funny, but coming to know Game of Thrones humor and what they do, mm. like how they make moments light. This this chick in the corner only chiming in whenever something is known is pretty fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> she's like, it is known. Yep. It is known. It is known. Uh, 
Absolutely love that shit. Close to close to being my favorite line of the episode, it is known. Um, <laughs> okay. So it's amongst the faves. Uh but uh yeah, so Danny's a real she's like, Oh, this is that's a fun idea. I kinda like that. I kinda like that. But then she's like, Hey uh Doria. So what what happened when you was at the pleasure house all those years ago? Oh well I trained I had to learn first. Bunch of bunch of learning. I got sold when I was nine, but I didn't do nothing till I was twelve. Um ugh, sorry. Uh <laughs> And then she was I like, like, is it going to take me that long to learn, too? Said, like, ah. Oh. Oh, said, no. That's... We'll have one lesson and you're set, boo. Yeah. Uh, Whatever that do is. these five simple tricks and you'll never look back. Let me give you the crash course yeah, real the quick. Cra- you know? A little, little pop-up ad on the side. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, she uh, she's like, all right, uh, do you think you could teach me? Now, this is where the differences between the book and this part of the storyline kind of differ. You know, uh, not only does this part of the book take place like well after the end of what episode two is, Bran waking up in the book, like in the audio book, it's like a good near two hours later. Mm. So, like it's wow. they take just a big break from Daenerys's storyline. You can tell that the reason it's here is because the pacing of the stories, they wanted it to line up a little better, you know, so. It just it just made sense to uh, plug Amelia Clark's Daenerys storyline in wherever wherever they saw fit. And uh, now the difference here is that there's not a whole scene, not a whole bit of the book spent on the actual instruction of Daenerys. Mm. Uh, there's there's not a there's not a part of the book where Doria where they were like Doria mounts Daenerys and swivels her hips and like you know there there wasn't nothing like that in the book it was just heavily implied she goes hey daria will you hang back for a second all right cool and then we cut to drogo entering the hut that night and her being like no tonight i will look upon your face you know like and then she's like and i try to recall what doria taught me and that's like the only mention of it mm. so like it was a little it was a, a little masturbatory to take it here. Uh yeah, they were like, okay, it is book accurate and we have Amelia Clark and another hot actress and the <laughs> directors were like, okay. Like I it, it was literally just like it, it was, was just it was almost 15 years ago filming stuff, you know? Yeah. Like that's just, I, rough. But it's like it's sad that like someone could like I see someone defending it being like no it's totally it's totally book accurate though um and I I fully stand behind the scene and it's actually one of my favorites of the season actually you know like I see I see people like actually like no maybe not going that far but um but yeah no, that I is... guarantee you I guarantee you uh, I don't I don't want to put Trent, I don't want to throw Trenton under the bus <laughs> but if we if he was here you know he'd be defending the scene right now um but uh yeah, no. Uh, uh, she tells the story of you know the the woman who was the woman from Elise who could make who could finish a man just by looking at him, and Daenerys is like, "Oh, finish a man? What's that?" <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, like uh, yeah. Well, she's like twelve. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> in the book, what's crazy is in the book she's like fourteen or something like that. In the in the show she's seventeen. So that. A little, a little oh, is that where they there. have read the show? Okay, I but so. has she? The thing is, is that like in her mind, she was thinking 
was she thinking that she was going to marry Viserys the whole time? And then, so like, did she ever? No, I don't think so. I think that was kind of part of the, uh, like part of the cell. Ah. Drogo was like, she's, she's an untouched Targaryen, you know, like stuff, stuff like that. Uh, they maintained, Mm. they maintained the, uh, quote purity, if you will. But, um, yeah, this was a uh, it was an interesting scene. I thought it was bold to put it in there, but uh, you know, they were doing a lot of bold things season 1. They were. They were going for it. You know, they were really going for it. And that like just the the like a uh, huh, what's that? Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> like that's not there's nothing even attempted like that in the book. You know, like uh that's just a dude who was like huh, what's something weird she could not know about <laughs> dudes coming. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah I well I this I'd say the show gets somewhat better about these oh, things. Oh, I'd, I'd say it, it certainly on. does. I'd say it certainly uh, does, but uh you know, the, the the level of respect with which women are treated in within storylines in this and in House of the Dragon will be interesting to see sort of the evolution as uh, as we as we progress forward, but uh nevertheless, this night uh Daenerys puts the plan into action. She uh Drogo walks in, he drops Trow. He's like, "All right, g- bring it on over." And she's like, "No." And he's like, <laughs> "Uh, yeah." And she's like, "No. Tonight I will look upon your face." And he's like, "Uh." Did that? he understand that? He's like, "Is that a is that a thing you can do?" But is like, that like, is that like possible? Can he understand English? That's a good question. I think it's more body language and the way she was acting. Like, ah, uh, okay. Kinda, yeah, yeah. So we got the idea. Yeah, he's okay. like, he's yeah. like, oh, I, like what's funny is I kind like, like maybe I'm into this. Like, yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like, oh, I'm just absolutely opposed to this. That's why I've never done it. I straight up don't think he knew it was possible to have sex with a woman <laughs> like this. I think he was like, I think he like laid down and was like, oh, wait a minute, holy shit, did I just <laughs> unlock a new level? Like, uh, uh I think. <laughs> I think that's kind of more what he's going through, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's very clearly responsive to this. And one thing I uh, thought was interesting about the book's take on this as compared to, uh, as compared to this, they, uh, at the, at the end of this scene, Drogo yells Danny's name. Uh, so like she really dominated the, interaction. Oh! Uh, and I just watched this. She speaks Dothraki saying tonight, I will look upon your face. So she yes. actually like, Oh, um, he didn't. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't English, so he it did fully Dothraki. like. So uh, sometimes I can't remember what's in Dothraki and what's yeah, in English. Honestly, no. No, I, I but still, but still, I agree with your take on he unlocked a new level because, like, that is his reaction still, even he's though like, she did say he's that like confused like, almost. He's, yeah, he's like, down. wait a he's minute, like, what is going on here? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Wait a minute, and yeah, he's like, uh. No, I totally agree. You're right there, but that's hilarious. No, but like, uh, that, and that's that's and that's all Danny's storyline is this this episode is like getting sex, accustomed to Dothraki and figuring out how to please yeah, Drogo. That's, man, that's uh, yeah. Rough. Now we're here. <laughs> Started from the bottom. Any whoozle, let's head to the north. This is where we uh, this is where we finally come back to the Starks, where uh. Bran is lying in a coma. 
and uh, he's he's not doing well. His mother's by his side, and uh, Michelle Farrelly, in this episode, since we're here, I'm going to go ahead and declare my favorite performance. Uh, Michelle Farrelly as Catelyn Stark is Ooh. nuts okay. in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she's one. absolutely incredible, and she's like very, very instantly incredible in this episode as she sits there and, you know, tears right next to Bran. Basically, the entire episode, the way she flashes the anger at John later on, and those wolves, I can't stand it. Make them stop. Make them stop. You know that shit. Like I fucking, I fucking love that scene. Uh, mm. and this, this will not be the last time she gets that nod. I think. Uh, especially on this rewatch, I'll get to appreciate her performance on a level I've never appreciated it before. Cause I'm not typically thinking about these things when I'm just casually rewatching like favorite performance and favorite scene and mm. favorite character and such. But, uh, sure. Michelle Fairley dominates shit. A lot of the time she's incredible. Uh, mm, that's t- That's going to be a tough performance to beat. Um, I know, I know we like to, you know, spread the love here, yeah. but that's probably the definite, like I, I can't. There I don't think there's a them. performance that does. I don't. Oh, I don't know. I can't. There are just no other option. Yeah. Like you just got to go. Okay, yeah, that was just far and away the best performance of the episode. The only other one that I can think maybe gives it a run for its money is Amelia. Amelia Clark did really well up in Dothraki, but like uh, beyond that, I don't know. I don't know. Kit Harrington gets to shine a little bit for the first time, I think, in comparison True. to the first episode. But I guess I'll yeah, I'll wait on the performance then. I'll. I'll... I'll wait just and see when we get through the other storylines and see if anybody's worthy enough to un or take a Michelle fairly, fairly fairly off the throne. But Tyrion Lannister wakes up in the, uh, in the, in the doghouse. Joffrey gives him a little bit of shit. (laughs) Finer bitches than you're used to father or uncle. Um, and, uh, Tyrion's like, oh, shut the fuck up. How about uh, you go pay your respects to uh, Lord and Lady Stark? Your absence has been noted. And Joffrey's like, dude, I couldn't give less of a shit about that, dude, dude. No fucking way, man. (laughs) Uh, Hmm. Tyrion goes ahead, slaps him once. Joffrey's like, "Ah, you, you dare touch me? Bow. Slaps him again. He's like... He said one more word and you're getting the shit slapped out of you. He says one more word and therein he gets slapped a third time. And finally, <laughs> he, finally uh, he accepts the suggestion. Uh, you the you just love to watch Joffrey s- just, just suffer. Yeah. I love Joffrey getting bitched because mm. this kid is a <laughs> bitch. Dude, he is so he, hard. Even, even when he's king and like he, he's just so dumb that he doesn't realize uh. it most of the time. But like it's it's especially good for Tyrion to just be like, wait a second, you have zero authority. <laughs> yeah, like you're yeah. such a pussy that you straight up won't do anything about. It. And the Hound's like, uh, he'll remember that little lord, and he's like, uh, he fucking better. And if he forgets, remind him, dog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think if I think if the Hound puts a hand on on Joffrey, it goes a little differently. Yeah, well, I mean, like, later on, he would have been, cool. like, I think there's a point in this show where he's like, God, I wish I would have killed Joffrey, just because yeah. he, he he grows to despise that kid so fucking much, but uh, Tyrion uh, therein heads to breakfast uh, with the rest of his family. He requests a dark beer and bacon burnt black, which, that sounds like a breakfast, huh? Yum. 
Yum, yum. I love how he's actually, like, super chill with the kids. He's, like, the only one who, like, cares about him. You know? I love, and they love, they love him too. You know, like yeah. they're like the only people who don't look at Tyrion and go like, "Oh, the imp." You know, like that's that's Uncle mm. Tyrion. You know, that's all they've ever known him as. Like, fuck it. You know, uh, it's not mm. some thing. They're they're like, "Oh, I'd never seen that before." They've seen him their entire fucking life. You know, uh, mm. so I, I love that they treat they treat him uh, very nicely, and he treats them even better. But. Uh, yeah, I, I loved this scene, and uh, he's 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 got the breakfast of champions there for him, and he's like, "All right, so uh, I'm going north. I'm gonna see the wall. Apparently, it's marvelous, the greatest structure ever built by man." And uh, then I'm a, then I'm a head back, and they're like, "Don't tell me you're thinking of taking the black Tyrion." And he's like, oh. "And go celibate? The whores would go fucking nuts." <laughs> <laughs> Legend, dude. Yeah, dude's a legend. Maybe that's the line of the episode. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what it is. It's obviously not the whores will go fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, But honestly, not very far from what could be happening in a Game of Thrones episode. No, not for real. Not for real. He basically basically says that. I know he doesn't, but, like, it's a (laughs) cinch. And go celibate? The whores would go begging from Dorne to Casterly Rock. No, I didn't yeah, want so he to stand top in game wall and piss off the edge of the world. Uh, just said it in Game damn. of Thrones. <laughs> yep, just said it say it in Game of Thrones language. But uh, yeah, that's a great fucking line. And uh, there you go. Another one who could be considered here is Peter Dinklage. He's uh, he's just always fantastic. He's always on. Yeah. Tyrion, so, uh, hard to not go with him. But uh, <laughs> That was my thinking. This is kind of a quintessential Tyrion episode in terms of who Tyrion was as a character um, before uh, you know he Developing. goes through most of honestly most of the Shea stuff. That's kind of the big turning point for his character. For I sure. think is is the is the storyline with Shea. Well, Shea and getting like his father being willing to put him to death and stuff over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like it, <laughs> there's, there's a few things going on there. It, but they um, really tied that all in really well, though. Like, oh, it was so fucking well. I cannot they... wait until we get there, man. That's so goddamn good. But uh, I'm gonna go ahead if y'all ain't going to declare it. I think my favorite character of the episode is Tyrion Lannister. Mm. Uh, okay, that's. He's fantastic this week. And for all the reasons Tavares was saying, this is a quintessential Tyrion episode. I remember specifically last week going into this episode, you know, it's been a little bit since I've rewatched the show, but uh, the thing I remember about episode two is John and Tyrion's discussion about why do you read so much? You know, like that's, that's what I remembered about this episode and, uh, and Ned having to kill a dog, which really blows, but uh, that does suck. Man, I hate hard, that. Any any time, like I am legend. Um, any time, God, it just sucks every time. It does. But man, it you does. taking Tyrion, um, I might want to as well. That's that's who who my gut was for character this episode. Um, yeah, so as of right now, we might be lining up both. But, well, I think um, it's just that it's just that kind of episode. You know, every once yeah. in a while, there's there's an episode where. You know, the the best character stands out so clearly, the best performance stands out so clearly. And like I think I think this is, you know, how in the books there's like uh chapters that are narratively told from different people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. Every single moment we're spending with Tyrion, those moments are told from Tyrion's perspective. You know, like you, you yeah. watch and identify with him. 
uh and he's he's just fantastic but uh yeah he uh, he also informs them because the kids are real worried about it is brand going to live and he's like yeah the maester maester lewin seems to think so uh, the the time of worst uh time of the worst possibilities is gone you know he he'll probably really... wake up one day really wonder the reliability of like these maesters and stuff because sometimes they'd be saying things and i'm like now how could they know that like what, what? well that's that's their job though they they just know all the history they read and they're like well whenever this guy had some black marking on his back they did this and it fucking worked so i think that's literally like that is a maester's job is to be like all right that's what they did before we're gonna carry it on. I might try something new. I don't know. Fuck it. Like I really think like it's they're just kind of the maybe it's just you're kind of smart and you know like some medical stuff. So we'll put you as the maester and you could give some good counsel. Um, I guess is like kind of the idea. So they're like a I don't know. They kind of do a lot when you think about it. No, they they really hold it down, and like there's always a, there's always a maester there. There's always some like everybody important has a maester on hand, mm. uh, so they they know their shit to a degree. But you know the the sort of thing that's interesting is that like you know uh, whenever they're like yeah it's gonna be a boy it's gonna be a boy. I mean like based off the moon, it is known. Uh, based off the moon, <laughs> there you go. It, it is, is known. known. It is known. <laughs> but. uh you know, so he's like, "Yeah, Brand's Brand's seeming like he's gonna live," and then he like looks at Cersei and Jamie like, "Bum bum!" Like, what? Mm, what's that mean to y'all, huh? <laughs> and like, they did not do well at hiding their disappointment. Like, they looked not at, each at all. Like, oh fuck! Oh fuck! Instantly said, like, um, "Yeah." She instantly said, "Not good to let a boy live like that in pain, huh?" Like, what? Yeah. And and the way he's like, uh. Ah, give me a good clean death, you know? I'd rather he's gonna be a grotesque, you know? Like fuck. And, yeah. And Tyrion's like, Jesus, dude, chill the fuck out. He's wow. Kid you. Uh, Damn. Speaking for the grotesques here, I gotta say, life's a lot better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just uh I really I just really, really like Tyrion in this episode and uh <laughs> I think I the way think that, Tyr- like Tyrion like pokes at Jamie here in a second. Jamie's like, sometimes I wonder whose side you're on. Like, bro. Yeah. How about you just shut the fuck up if you got something to hide so bad? Yeah. Mm. Now Tyrion, I feel like is is he's he's high on my list for best performance for this episode or uh, Tyler Dinklage, but particularly like that line mm. between him and Jamie where he's um kind of like he doesn't bet against his uh against the Lannisters against his own family. I like that if, because I gave him the line, I gave him the the go celibate, the whores would you know go crazy, whatever. I gave yeah. him that that the line. I gave him that. You gave him the character, Colton. And if Tavares were to give him the performance, we give him like the trifecta. Oh yeah, he's getting the trillion. Tri- so it on all sides. Be beautiful. It's on all sides, but uh, in a uh, in a liberty taken by the show that is not in the book, uh, Cersei gets a visit from or Cersei visits Catelyn Stark here. Uh, sitting by her son's side, and she gets real vulnerable with her. You know, it's a it's a brief moment where Cersei seems to be more human than she ever is again, and more human than she's been up to this point. Where, you know, she goes into how her first child died of a fever, a beautiful black haired boy, 
and uh, she and Robert were grief stricken. He punched the wall a thousand times, you know, all the ways that men show you they care. Mm. Uh, and he says, uh, or she says her prayers were for naught, but she offers her prayers for Bran's survival, hoping that this time the gods will listen. And, uh, and I was like, ah, see, now you lost me there. You know, at the very end, it was like, oh, you were seeming real cool for a second. And then you say the shit about Bran. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you don't want this kid to wake up. No, it's because she knows in her head, I'm already plotting to kill this kid. So I'm just telling the mother right before I kill the kid, some some comforting, you know, something. Um, that's really I what this is. I am going to really murder this, this child. Yeah. It's kind of like my plan. maybe what this really was was just to go in the room to see where he was to tell the person who's going to kill him like yeah yo he's just in a bed his mother's there easy go up slit his throat like yeah light a fire slit his throat chilling <laughs> mm. imagine everything man. every time someone needs something in the game of thrones universe done they're just like hey man light a fire slit his throat it's done yep, like that's it's kind it. of like it's kind of all they ever do yeah, or lighting the fire is it. That is it as well. That can't um, just be it. You know, Larry doesn't have Larry to be the distraction. Example. Yeah, or uh, the Blackwater Bay. That, yeah. That's a pretty big, pretty big fire big lit. I there. Mean, the Sept of Baylor, season six, Ooh. episode ten. A lot of Dracarys in there too. A lot of a fire. Lot of a lot of fire. Fire gets it done a lot of the time. Just this one time, I guess it just didn't do quite what it was supposed to. Um. <laughs> It's it's here that Jon Snow is uh, paying a visit to the to the blacksmith. He's having a little sword created, and uh, you know he's paid he's paid a visit here by Jamie Lannister, which I thought was uh, an interesting interaction that I didn't really recall. Um, but one I was like, God, you just don't see these two on. I don't think you see these two on screen together again until like season eight. Damn. Like I think they, I think this is this yeah. Because what would they have done together at all? No, they wouldn't have yeah. done shit. Like uh, it's when he gets back to Winterfell, Jamie's not there. Uh, it's it's when he comes north to betray Cersei and go, yeah, I'll fight with you. Like that's mm -hmm. the next time they see each other. Whenever they first come up to each other, they handshake, and it's very focused in on Jamie's hand right there that he loses, <laughs> yeah. and the rest of the scene it like kind of plays on the fact that like. It, and he literally says, like, um, at the time that he shakes his hand, he's like, you must be so grateful. Like, and then it pauses. And while it's just on his hand, and then it cuts back into, like, the rest of the line. Like, right, uh, right. just be like, I don't know. It was so, so well, crazy I, that, like, the little details that, like, have no inclination of whatsoever, if you're watching it for the first time, but a director or, you know, it can be written in just because you know, like, oh, yeah, I mean, eventually I know I'm going to cut off this dude's hand. Like, you know. Like, if you have the big details lined out first, they can put in all those little things beforehand. And I don't know. I love, mm -hmm. I love like, it's been so fun rewatching it, having those pop up. And the way that this whole interaction goes between Jamie and John, the way when he's like, Have you swung the sword yet? And he's like, Of course I have. And he's like, At someone, I mean. <laughs> and it's like, it's Jamie just remind, like, Jamie always has to feel superior in any, like, he did this to Ned last week, like, the whole, like, oh, I guess I'll see you in the tourneys, huh? And Ned was like, nah, bitch, I'll fuck you <laughs> up outside the tourneys, though. How's that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so, so he's like, all right, couldn't get the, couldn't get the father, maybe I'll get the son, and uh, 
and tells him, uh, it's a strange thing. First time you cut a man, you realize we're nothing but sacks of meat and blood and some bone to keep it all standing. And then he's like, thank you for your service, guarding us from everything north of the wall, the wildlings and white walkers and whatnot, the good, strong men protecting us. Uh, he's like, we've guarded the realm for 8,000 years. Jamie's like, oh, is it we already, homie? I, uh, <laughs> I, I was like, I got to give the I got to give the dub to Jamie for this interaction. Oh, yes. Uh, Even if he is a little bitch about it. <laughs> He is, I mean, he's a dick, but I mean, John, John really doesn't know what he's getting into. He thinks a lot of the Night's Watch is like his Uncle Benjamin. Uh, and so, like, he's just, he's, he's going to be. I guess he knows, though. He knows, like, if he's thinking he's going to be like Uncle Benjamin, he knows Uncle Benjamin still can't marry, and he, like, he, know, he knows all that stuff, right? Nah, he knows like, that, but Benjamin's a good dude. I, like, I think it's more the people he's going to uh, be with. That so like, the only person that John knows of the Night's Watch is Uncle Benjamin. So he Uncle thinks Benjamin. everyone Benjamin's is like guy. that. He, he just thinks went every, there, uh, you know, at least as far as I know. I don't know if he got locked up for something and they were like, go to the wall. Um, but uh, yeah, like whenever they're on the road here, this whole episode is him just kind of realizing every time he gets left alone for a second, it's him going, oh, fuck, did I do the right thing here? It's just, mm. like every single time you, you look at him for a second after this interaction, he's like, uh, uh poor John. Uh, Only if he knew, man. Oh, boy. Think, boy. Yeah, what do you think he does if he knows now? If he was, if Ned told him now, like actually, that's you a big what, what if. You know, that is a big what if. I think, you know what I think he does? Still goes and takes the oath and doesn't give yeah. a fuck. Well, shit, now I have to take, now I have to go north. You know, like, uh, I, yeah. I don't think it's so much like, oh, well, I can't. I think it's more like, oh, that just made my decision for me, bro. I have, I do not want that. Um, hmm. I think that would kind of be it. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good scene there between, between those two. But, uh. After it, John John gets to take the sword that was created here and take it to his take it to his little sister. And this was this is my favorite scene of the uh, episode. Uh, Arya and John's goodbye because th- again, they don't have a, a scene on screen together again until season seven. Jeez. Dang! Oh my god! It might That's even be nuts. the season eight premiere. Oh my god. That's ridiculous. Is this not okay? Knowing that now that I have to watch all of it. You know, like, I didn't know that before. Yeah, like, you will never see John and Arya on screen again until we are almost done with the show. So tragic Um, what they did to the Starks. Bro, like, they are never, this is it. They are never in the same place again. Damn. This All really is a, is the jumping off them. point. Yeah, you're right. That, that there's no better jumping off point than when they're all together and then bang, split up across the realm, storylines everywhere. Mm. But yeah, I just I just love the scene between Ari and John. The way that like 
she was like, I was afraid you'd gone. And she like jumps into his arms and the, they, they hug for a second. And then he's like, I've got a present for you. And she, he's like, shut the door. And she runs over there. She like peeks outside. She's like, hee, 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 what is it? What is it? Uh, and, the, and you know, it, it's cool that she, she holds on to needle. This is not, this yeah. thing survives the show, baby. Needle's probably one of my cool, the cooler aspects of the show in general, which is, I think the best line for this episode is, you know, stick them with, stick the, pointy. Them with the pointy in. There you <laughs> go. That was I was that was one of my favorites. So if you, if you're, I'm gonna give that to you, Tavares. I got some more, but I was like sticking with the pointy end. If nobody takes it, that's gonna be it because that's. I mean, that's a premiere lesson that sticks with Arya forever. She throws it back in a lot of people's faces. First hmm. moment she does stick them with the pointy end is just so fucking satisfying because it doesn't come for like another two three seasons. So like that, I just actually recently saw that one too, and like it's just it's only like really thirty seconds. Uh, when the hound is just whooping ass and then Arya sees her, sees her window and she just starts going crazy and they play this little music. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's perfect. Well, well there's finally. also, I can't remember if it's season two or the end of season one when she semi accidentally kills a kid. Um, where, where she, was... like, she stabs him like in the chest or like in the stomach area. Huh? Am I misremembering I think that, that? I think no, Wait. I think that that might have happened earlier on before she had needle taken. Because you remember she has needle taken. Oh. And then she gets it back during that scene where she, you know, right, right. Yeah, it goes missing for a while. Damn, that thing goes on a journey. Yeah. Man, there's so many things about the show that I forgot about. Like <laughs> the show just has so much story. That's there's the thing. So much that happens. So much. Man. So much. But uh, yeah, he, he gives he gives her the sword. Uh, they decide to uh, to name it Needle. And uh, this was another funny change from the books for me, just because um, like he does gift her does gift her Needle, and they do have a goodbye. But the line they use to do it is different. Uh, like John in the books is like a uh, oh, it's your favorite thing. Like he's like all swords should have a name. And she, Arya asks like, oh, what's its name? And she he goes, come on now. It's your favorite thing. And they both look <laughs> at each other and go, needle, you know? Needle. So like, uh, I think they handled that better in the show than they did the book. Yeah. I think it's a good choice for Arya to get to name the sword. I think it's a good, I think it was a good line delivery too. Like, uh, Sansa can keep her needles. I have a needle of my own. Like, I think, I think it's a, yeah. I think it's a good one. It's, it's a, a good cute moment between John and Arya, you know, just being like, yeah, no, you name the sword. Like I'm gift. I'm gift. This is your gift. It's you know, I, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's funny too because he gets a sword that's named Long Claw. Is not uh, he doesn't come up with Long Claw. Yeah. So is the are we are we playing the episode in the background? Can you hear it? That's just me. No, I I, I was though. That's weird. Oh, I I oh, was, okay. but that, I, I, it was so interesting. Faint, but I could. It was like it was like the kind of faint where it was like either I'm going crazy or it's happening. <laughs> like there's no in between. <laughs> I get you. I get you. Yeah, no, I could not hear it. I could not hear it. So uh, there's that. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, that's uh, funny. I just because <laughs> it just felt very. I heard like someone's <laughs> voice, and I was like, "Wait a second! Wait a wait a minute!" <laughs> uh, but uh, John's like, be sure you practice as much as you possibly can. You know, it's uh, it's not worth it for you to just leave it sitting. You know, you got to use this shit. 
and then uh, after this, John visits Bran uh, to say his farewells. And this was the another scene that just made me go, yeah, Michelle Fairley, no fucking doubt, uh, performing mm. her like the just fucking hatred in her eyes, looking at John. Oh my god! The yeah, way there's that no she, question. She stares these bullets at at him, and it's just like, get out. Whenever he's leaving, yeah. and she's like, it should have been you. Like, yeah, there's no question. She gets that, the performance nod. Cat she, like. like she 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 does deserve a performance not for sure because I feel like she has like we don't really come to understand the uh, I guess like how big like how big of a tension it was having John around at this point in season one like you're just getting introduced to John and Catelyn and you have no idea the ramifications mm-hmm. of what Ned has supposedly done for someone in this in this world. So it's like it, it continues to continue to continues to like build on like how evil she was being here and why that's not like why that's an interesting point for her character. Oh yeah, you know like first time I watched this with Emily, you know, I I I, wa- I, I showed Emily this show about uh shit a year and a half ago now and yo she didn't forgive Ned until it was said, uh, like, John's parents are Liana and Rhaegar and Ned didn't hit him. Uh, like, she was like, she was like, Catelyn's fucking right, bro. Fuck that dude. Uh, but, uh, she was like, obviously he should, she shouldn't be treating John like that. But like, she was like, I understand why Catelyn's the way she is. And I was like, hey man, respect. It was a lot to hide for me. I was like, "Ooh wee, you gonna you gonna fucking regret that." I'm gonna tell you that now. Uh, you need to appreciate mm. Ned while he's here because he's the only good motherfucker out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess not yeah. knowing though, like Ned is in the wrong. Like not oh, yeah. knowing, not like yeah. well, if it's the whole truth. If but, the truth, Ned's in the right. You know, like he's doing. He- he is from the viewer's moral perspective, but it's it was always interesting to me to see that he was held to, like, granted, you know, he was a much better man than most of the men in this show. He mm. was still held to an incredibly higher standard than everyone else, um, particularly on this issue, because it's like he, even if this was him, which... Hopefully you've seen it and you know that it was. And I guess um, this is but, a, we marketed this as a rewatch podcast, bro. There you, you go. <laughs> watch you get the fuck out of here. Everything's yeah. getting connected, bro. For for what he did in the case that John was his son was still miles better than what any other lord would have done in Game mm. of Thrones. And it was oh one hundred percent, one hundred percent shit on for it, and it, it it was just based on you know matter perspective. Well, I guess and- maybe it's more right to be mad at Ned for leaving and actually accepting Robert's proposal. Like, that's honestly, like, him doing that and, you know, right. cheating is, like, I bet, I bet, like, way easier to be like, oh, yeah, no, Ned's in the wrong. Like, he... One hundred, like one of the one of my favorite little passages from the book, and I'm trying to, I'll try to remember it off the top of my head. Obviously, I won't get it exactly right, but it's when Catelyn's sitting next to Bran's bed, and she's not only upset that Bran is asleep right here and has been asleep for a month, it's the fact that Ned is choosing to leave. It's the fact that he's choosing to go south. She goes like, uh, and he told me, he told me he didn't have a choice. 
Mm. But then he decided to go south, choosing. Mm. And I was like, like I think there like, is is a line in the episode that they actually say that. Like, oh, it's like that, I don't have a. He's like, I don't have a choice, and she's like, No, you do. That's the thing. You do have a choice. Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm pre- I think so. Um, yeah, there's that. there's, but it was it was the way it was specifically worded in mm. the book that she was like mm. he posed it, yeah, because like, yeah. it's like the inner monologue, and he she had posed he had posed it to her that he didn't have a choice, but she thought that he was heading south, therein choosing. Like, he did choose. He did choose to go south. Uh, he did not have to do that. And uh, so there's just a lot weighing on her here, and uh, it and it has been weighing on her because, mm-hmm. like, I, I can't remember if it was last episode whenever she was, like, uh, or this episode of the book. I get it all, I get it all fucking mixed up whenever I'm, whenever mm-hmm. I'm reading, <laughs> watching all of it at the same time, but uh, whenever she's talking to Ned and is like, Hey man, last time you headed south, you came back with somebody else's kid, bro. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's fair. That happened. Um, in her mind, yes. Um well I guess it literally though too. Literally um, came back with somebody else's kid. Um yeah. but uh, the, the line that she actually says to Ned, um, uh, whenever he's like, I I don't have a choice, is she says, That's what men always say when honor calls. Um and then that's what you tell your families, tell yourselves. Like she, that like she has like a big, like a. That's a, a, that's a here. really like you awesome. Do have a choice, line. like because um, watching this, uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but watching this, I'm also watching The Sopranos right now. I'm like finally finishing it. Um, oh yeah, and a big part of what I'm realizing with The Sopranos is that like all the men in, in that show, same as Game of Thrones, they bring these issues on themselves. They 100%. simply bring, like they they take this burden that they feel is that they they, they feel responsible for, um, that is like truly based in in some toxic masculine desire to uh, either protect others or preserve the self or the other. But it's 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 completely a a, a self a self placed burden. Oh, one hundred percent. I always felt that way about Tony Soprano. He was like, <coughs> bro. You could just like not, right? <laughs> there, there, there's like very little, just tying you here. You know, like you could, you could stop right now, get the fuck out, and just never, never think about it again. Like, but that's the thing, man. He's, he, he feels, he feels the duty, feels the, feels the obligation. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's only coming from himself. And, and, and the thing so is, that's... it's usually an obligation to other men, and that's, that's really all it is. For the family. So <laughs> for the family. Dude, you fucking Christ. Uh that's that's my Tony Soprano impression. Mm. <laughs> you <laughs> fucking Christ! That's the perfect line to say. To just yeah, in a in a Tony voice. I was trying <laughs> to think of like because like you you know, whenever you talk in Marlon Brando, like Godfather, <laughs> you know you have lines to refer to, but like with Tony Soprano, there's so many lines that like how do you pick one to to like kind of sum them up, but like, what are you fucking? I, I can picture the face, everything yeah. of that line, everything <laughs> of that line. I can picture in my head the, the hand waving yeah. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> my God, he's yeah. so great. <laughs> it's such a fantastic. Maybe that's what we do fucking next. Uh, the Sopran, the Sopranos Ooh. one. No, I mean, <laughs> a couple I'm years really, away. That's but, uh, it's the most psychological family drama. I like maybe show that I've ever seen. Like it's just oh, so it's fucking so heavy. fucking good, but. Annie Hoosel, uh, 
back back in back in Westeros now that we've left New Jersey. Uh psychological in a different way. Psychological in a different way indeed. Uh he departs the room after giving Bran a kiss on the forehead uh at his at his uh, stepmom's cold request and Ned walks in and John walks out and he's like, All right, yeah, wow. That's awkward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn, man. It is. See you out there, bud. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, the the air was thick there. You could feel it. That's... Oh yeah, the way she like looks at Ned and then like looks back at John and is like, Alright, now get the fuck out. Like, God, <laughs> you know? I hate like it's like I hate you for doing it, and I hate you because you are it. And it's like, is all of that is said with just the look. But like, honestly, like, I don't know if I'm really getting all of that the first time I'm watching this. Is the thing. Like, I no. understand, like, bastard. Like, okay, she hates him. Like, I, but I, I don't understand, like, the full, like, full, full weight. I don't think. I don't the know the full ramifications uh, of it. No, because there's something that we're able to view it with now, due to the fact that it is unreasonably placed you know like Mm. it is reasonable in her mind we know now that if she'd probably known the truth maybe some other things happen but she wouldn't have treated him the way she did she wouldn't resent ned the way she does like there there are a lot of things that would just be different about catelyn's life if she knew the truth of it Um, she maybe wouldn't be so so overzealous in defending rob exactly exactly man that's a big what if yeah, what if Ned tells, like, tells Catelyn? Yeah, you just you just never know how that could go. But uh, he goes ahead and says goodbye to Bran and to Catelyn here. And I think this is the the place where she was like, uh, "You're fucking, you're fucking <coughs> honor." You always tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, but uh, yeah, she she definitely I I solidified her as the performance nod. Uh, for me as well, I just, I couldn't comfortably go with anyone else, and then that was my favorite scene there too. John and Ned's goodbye to Catelyn slash Bran. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, that was my that was another one I was considering was John and Ned's actual goodbye later ooh. on. You never you never see them. Yeah, again. that's true. That is a that's good one. It. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, they head on. We cut back outside where Rob and John are saying goodbye to each other. And he's like, uh, you know, don't die while I'm gone. You know, I'll see you again. He's like, ah, oh, you stocks are hard to kill. You know, uh, you're a, you're, you're a hard bunch. And, uh, they, they give each other a hug. They're like, <laughs> brothers. Next time I see you, we'll be in Eternals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They wait, never. do they, wait, they wait, never, wait. yeah, because wait. Rob just straight up. Rob dies, yeah, see like, Rob, Rob's dead. Yeah. Um, they never see each other. But again. that's still a couple seasons away still, like, jeez. Forget yeah, like, that's what like, yeah. I, I can't wait till we get there, because, like, by that point in the show, Rob's, like, the guy you're rooting the, for. Like, that's time. one of the things that makes it, like, just, no. What the fuck Beginning is that? Like, my... that's like the only thing you're really like. Come on now, you know. <laughs> the king of the north, the king. You're screaming in your living room too. Yeah, every, you're screaming with him. You're like, fuck yeah. You're with even. I don't know what the fuck the politics. I don't give a shit. I'm just with the king of the north. That's all I know. 
you know? Dang it, that no. Honestly, what's crazy is when I started rewatching it, I thought that, like, I thought the whole, I thought Rob's reign ends, like, at the end of season two. Like, that, it felt like, you know, like, that was, like, the, the second progression of the, sh- that was, like, the, it was, like, the third or fourth. Like, it's, like, down the line. Like, that's it's a, down the line. it's, it's a, ma- like, Rob is a major, major, major character. Just massive. God, it's going to suck so bad getting there again. But uh, uh, we all we all depart from Winterfell here. John, Tyrion, and Benjen going north of the Wall. Ned, Arya, and Sansa heading south to King's Landing. And at their parting, Ned tells John, You're a Stark. You might not have my name, but you have my blood. He's like, I'm not even lying to you right now, bro. <laughs> you do got my blood. I ain't, I ain't cabbing with you. Uh, not his and, blood. And you but... might not have my name. Your name is Targaryen, homie. Like that's yeah, just goddamn. He and he struggled. Like Sean, I don't know. Maybe maybe Sean beat. No, I don't think he has enough to outweigh uh, Michelle Fairley. But uh, like his delivery Amen. of like the next time we see each other, I'll talk about your mother. He was like. That was my hard. other consideration. Was Sean Bean as Ned Stark? Because, hey, this shit on the King's Road, whenever Robert's like, a, oh, what was her name? And he's like, you never talk about her. And she's like, and I, I fucking won't. I won't talk about her. You know, like. Ooh, no. you know what? I think, because um, I gave uh, the scene, uh, John and Ned's goodbye to, to Caitlin, or Catelyn, uh, I for the reason of her performance there, I think I'll give uh, Sean B the nod for this episode because he actually like even later on, like at the end, and like he has a lot more like oh, really, dude, really great whenever, moments. Whenever he's um, like, "Is this your ruling? Is this what you want?" You, yeah, you've no. got to you got to appreciate him while he's there because not, not just like it's there's uh. something interesting about both Ned and Viserys how they're written into these into these stories. Uh, Viserys from House of the Dragon. Um, mm-hmm. They 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 have a voice that literally disappears with their death okay a a literal understanding perspective of issues that is just simply gone like doesn't exactly exist anymore. they're the they're the only ones with that type of level head on their shoulders and yeah. uh and like they just them being gone is what collapses the realm into war you know like yeah. both both the house of the dragon and game of thrones season one war doesn't start popping off till season two here you know like that's yeah. That's what's crazy about both. That's that was what was kind of awesome about the parallel between the season mm. one is that, you know, season one, a house of the dragon is obviously much more long spanning kind of pre pre gaming to that, to that sort of place. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, like, uh, it, it did show you just about everything that was important the way this did, you know what I'm saying? Like, well, uh, and you know, the, the books, uh, that house of the dragon are based off of go even further than that. They start from egg on the conqueror. Exactly. Exactly. Um, like it's it's it, it's somewhat scary to me sometimes. Like just to like sit there and think about like George R. R. Martin, like just conceiving of all of this, like just being like, yeah, this happens, and then this happens, and then just like then he's got like, just made up a whole history. history, and you're like, man, <clears throat> on one level that's crazy, but on another level that's scary because of the shit that you thought of to put in this world. The shit that is interesting and keeps us coming back is kind of fucked up. Like, oh no, he'd be uh, he'd be fucked up. He'd be fucked he up as fuck. Wait, that is interesting. Why did they decide to start so late in the book? 
Yeah. Like, not with Aegon. Why I did they decide because to start Aegon's with conquering could be a whole other thing. Yeah, right. Uh, think, like, they're planning on doing that as well. I think, yeah. I think he wanted the lore. Like, I think George R. R. Martin wanted this to be just this what it is you know build the lore for whenever the the seeks like whenever it actually drops you're like holy shit now we're getting that too like right yeah because another interesting tidbit i learned watching his interviews was uh he you know he's very he was very experienced in tv production um as a fantasy writer way long before he started um uh you know uh televising or thinking about televising game of thrones um Right. So, like, he, he, I think he very much had a mind for how he wanted to lay out his books in a way that would be amicable with the television series. Um, and not just one, but multiple, as, as we are seeing. Mm. Yeah. This man's, uh, this man's got it everywhere. He's finally, and he's also finally saying that he's actually like, that's what's first on his docket is finishing these fucking books. Like, he's gonna, He's like, right now, my top priority is finishing Winds of Winter. And I'm, I'm encouraged by that. Fucked up because he's been coming out with books between yeah. the new. Well, and he's books. been working on every single Game of Thrones spinoff. You know, like he's yeah. he's done a lot of other shit with this universe because the money's there. You know, like he's like, well, shit, I don't even have to finish the books at this point. You know, I, like I they're, already, he, they're already doing the he, shit with it. Yeah, I think he imagines himself on the Iron Throne, to be honest. He just thinks he's just, like, the king. Honestly, <laughs> I think he is waiting. He's, he's already finished the book. He's just waiting for the day he dies. I almost, <laughs> I can almost guarantee it that he has written in his will to drop the book when he dies. Like, I bet it's, it's already in legal. I, I don't know. Yeah. I bet it's already, like... He's he still got two two more books. He says till he. Finished. I feel like the ending. It's it's either going to be so bad or not bad, but like so hated amongst people that he'd be like, "Oh, I would die if I did release this book." So I'm gonna wait until I am dead before I do. Or I don't want to like, people receive this. Exactly. It's just yeah. like I have created the universe, you know, whatever, and I have the way I saw it end. Um. I don't want to know how people, you know, because that that's like, that's his entire life. And imagine if everyone took his entire life's work as the show ended and gave it that hate. Like, he'd feel terrible right before he died, right. you know? So, like, I don't know. I'm almost, like, 100% sure he's just waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. But uh, Ned promises John the next time they see each other. He will tell him about his mother, and then they uh, they part their ways. But uh, days later, on the King's Road south of the capital, Robert Baratheon calls a halt <laughs> to discuss uh, to discuss with Ned some dire news that has just arrived. Now this is country. I have half a mind to take my horse and leave them all behind. He's like, oh, I know you do. He's like, ha, 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 ha. Fucking love Mark Addy as Robert Baratheon again, man. Like, this one's obviously not like, oh, what a jaw-dropping performance. But, like, he's so fucking good as that character. Like, yeah, now he fits like, it so well. Every time I hear that delivery, delivery, now this is country. You know, like, I'm like, God, he's just, he's just living man. life right now, man. Talk about, like, this is just like a halt that he called. Like, they were just on their way to King's Landing. The feast, the dinner, 
that they're having right now, like it is a feast. I can call it like a feast. Yeah, because it's it's insane. This dude, yeah, this this dude just he reaps the rewards of being. Well, and I think what's funny is he was like, "Sorry guys, I gotta piss," because that's how this scene starts. He's putting his dick away next to a tree. He's like, "Yep, all right." Uh, he's like, all right, now let's, let's post up. Let's have some food. Uh, and, uh, he's, I, I loved the back and forth they had here about, uh, about the, the good old days, the, 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 the danger in the East. Um, he's like, ah, uh, some Targaryen is wedded a Dothraki horse lord. What of it? <laughs> he's like, ah, uh, should we send him a present? Yep. A knife, a good sharp one. Let's fucking kill this bitch. And that's like, come on now. They're they're across the narrow sea. They have no ships, Robert. He's like, ah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get war soon, buddy. It's yep. coming. He knew it was it's coming. coming. It's like shit, I don't know if I'm gonna deal with it, but it's he's like, think well, man, I might die. You think it's like Ned's just actual view of like maybe you shouldn't actually kill him, or do you think it's like maybe not try to kill the only remaining family that John has left? Oh yeah, that's like, probably that that's probably maybe, that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that he could he could have been thinking about that, but just in general, I feel like Ned is not likely to uh, stake revenge on someone who he doesn't even know, someone who mm. has crossed him, offended him. has no no bearing on his life whatsoever. Like, uh, and I love the way that he's like, uh, you know, shit, they're never gonna cross the sea, and if they do, we'll throw them back out in the fucking water, man. Like. Right. Who cares? Like they're... Which is how I think that they, like, you know, they're introducing this conflict between the preservation of the, of, uh, uh their system of, of, of names, of titles, while at the same time contradicting it with types of logic that, uh, uh, doesn't allow someone to be offensive simply because they're alive. That's, mm. that's the only, that's really the case here, I feel like, is that, like, is the case in multiple instances across the show. Um, someone is born by the wrong person, and they exist. Therefore, yep. they are in error. Yep. Mm. It happens. It happens. I, I, I do just love the rest of this back and forth, though, as well. The, uh, uh, what do you say? You, me on the king's road, swords at our sides, a couple of tavern wenches to warm our beds tonight. <laughs> like, ah, oh, you should have asked me 20 years ago. We never had a chance to be young, Robert said. And Ned goes, <laughs> I recall a few chances. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, Ned. All right, Ned. No, you oh, know, and the, the way Robert going, oh, there was that one, oh, what was her name? That common girl of yours. Oh, uh, Becca, with the great big tits you could bury your face in. Uh, he's like, <laughs> Bessie, and she was one of yours. And he's like, ha, ha. Bessie, thank the gods for Bessie and her tits. <laughs> God, outstanding back and forth. But we learn, uh, we learn the name of the of the quote bastard's mother. Uh, must have been some some lady to uh to get Lord Ned Stark to forget his honor even for an hour. And uh, he's like, ah, yeah, I'm never gonna talk about her again, bro. Uh, <laughs> That's good. And I like, frankly, I really liked Robert's rationalization of this, you know. Uh, I don't like, obviously, I'm not like, yeah, he's right. But I do think he provides a very uh, important perspective on, like, what most men at the time would think. 
of of what mm. Ned did. You know, we were at war. None of us knew if we were going to get back home. You're too hard on yourself. You always have been. And he's like, I swear if I weren't your king, you'd have hit me already. So that's the worst thing about your coronation. I'll never hit you again. <laughs> yeah. Robert going, trust me, that's not the worst thing. Uh, you're going to die because of it, bro. <laughs> you going to die. You going to die. <laughs> Very soon, too. Yeah, both of them. Within episodes yeah. of each other. Damn. So much despair. So much. So, so much. But uh, back at Winterfell, Catelyn's refusal to leave Bran's side starting to cause problems for the castle. Everyone's uh, having a little tough, having a little bit of a tough time. Maester Lewin's like, uh, so they were pretty hungry down in King's Landing. They wanted foods. They were, they were, they, they really drained our stores. We need to replenish before the winter. Catelyn being like, nope. Fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> Fuck you, homie. <laughs> you think I give a shit, Maester? My son is right here asleep. And you think I care? Uh, it's like, I, I would fucking kill all the horses out there if it meant that my my little my little boy wake up. But uh, Rob's like, all right, I got you. Don't don't fucking worry. I'm on it. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and handle all this. And I, this was one of the, this was probably the standout scene very early on for Richard Madden. Like the whole, like, uh, what about, what about Rickon? You know, like he's following me around all day. Like, I can't keep doing this. I don't know what to tell him. He's afraid. He feels like everyone's abandoned him. Like, and Callan's like, not my problem, bro. Callan <laughs> got the most disrespected I've ever seen a character in maybe any story ever get disrespected. <laughs> Uh, bro is a Stark and like what we don't even like can you name one unique thing about Rickon <laughs> Rickon yeah I mean he certainly can't run in a zigzag I'll tell you that he's pretty unlucky yeah or it's either the shot was really really good or he's just really yeah not good at running no, the man yeah, just, he did just run straight. Yeah, that was really. Yeah, he's no, but that's fucked up. That, that, that's a reference point. It's his death. Yeah, <laughs> right, that's all. Right. That, yeah, what else? What else? Uh, Sorry, no, but he, he named his dog Shaggy Dog, the Funny. worst name of a dire wolf ever. Honestly, no, never mind. <laughs> I'm not going there. There was a scene where that was pretty hilarious when he was uh, trying, I can't remember what was happening, but he was trying to get Bran to like stay or something. And he was like pleading with Bran. Um, and yeah, the, whenever they go their separate ways from like the the tower at one point. Yeah, and the acting by that kid was just honestly, it was somewhere between awful and mesmerizing. Maybe that's why uh, uh, he's just such a non-factor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, they got lucky with five of the kids, you know? Macy Williams, uh, uh, Sophie Turner. They could only all. cast five good kid actors. That was all uh, they allowed for. Uh, <laughs> the sixth well, one. They, also, like, they might have been good when they were younger, but like you just never knew how they were going to grow up, you know? And like I think they fucking nailed it with like Macy Williams and, and oh. Sophie Turner and, uh, and shit. I can never remember Brand's actor's name. I just never can. Yeah. Uh, it is. Where is he? 
They always have like Tyrion is on the very bottom. Uh, Isaac, Isaac Hempstead, right? right. Wow. Right. Yes. Yes. Uh, and he even he even grows up to be a great actor. They just could not have foreseen the the, puber- the puberty change he goes through. <laughs> Uh, rather abruptly, they were like, "Dude, you got to sit out a season because nobody's going to believe you grew this fast." Uh, he sat out a whole season, pretty much, like pretty close to it. Hey. Um, here, let me. Ah, now I'm going to check. Now I'm going to check because I'm curious. Hmm. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, the next time he's out, he's not in season five at all. Dang, he yeah, did he really at all. hit puberty hard, though. Mm. He was already getting. He was already kind of getting there in like season four, where it was like, "Oh, he grew up a lot." Mm. And then you see him in season six, and you're like, "Oh, that's a grown man." Yeah. Yeah. He's playing. He's playing like a thirteen year old right now. That's a, that's a grown man. But uh, nevertheless, uh, when Rob is here consoling Catelyn, trying to get her to come out, uh, you know the 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 wolves are howling. Uh, she's like, stop, stop, make them stop. They can't take it anymore. And then there's a there's a catch in Rob's throat. <gasps> Fire. And he goes, he goes darting. He gets the guards. They're leaving. And Catelyn protects Bran for a second. And then, you weren't supposed to be here. <laughs> no one's supposed to be here. Uh, that guy. That guy. Comes on in with the the good old uh, the good old dagger, the good old dagger, the, the dagger. Hello, yes, yeah. the dagger that we uh, we have become mighty familiar with through uh, through the last eleven weeks or so because of House of the Dragon. Um, now, is it that Cersei gave him that dagger? To kill Bran with, yeah. Like, it, is it known that Cersei had it before? Well, or it, I guess it, it, it would just have been. It was Littlefinger's. Littlefinger loses it in a tournament to Tyrion, and that's why Tyrion gets framed up. Cersei framed Tyrion here. Oh that's why she shit! Chose duh. The dagger. Um, duh. Yeah. Duh. It, okay. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's why she chose this dagger is because she's framing mm-hmm. Tyrion. I forgot. Okay. Um. I'm still in the and, mind of episode two. I don't. I don't know. Like I forgot so much of this show. Yeah. If you it's, ever it's have questions like that, let me know because I'm. I'm. Re- I always read a little bit further ahead too, mm. and uh, that's one I probably wouldn't have remembered the exact lineage of if I didn't get that little reminder from the book. Mm. Mm-hmm. It was over my head. How did How did Littlefinger get this shit though? This was Viserys's, and then Rhaenyra's, and then. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? It survived, though. They had, like, a little estate sale of the Targaryens when when Aerys died. <laughs> Free stuff. Pick Free one. Stuff. Everybody grab what you want. None of yeah, us just, want. Are we, are we trying to understand that that's the only place where the prophecy lives? Maybe that's the only place where it's, like, written. But, like, I don't think it's, like... Maybe that's where it's like originally written. I don't think it's like the only place it exists though, because like it's the red, it's the red woman and stuff who comes in later and is like, oh, the prince who was promised and. That is true. Hmm. 
Well, but I I remember I, I I'm gonna be careful to pay attention to the Lord to language they're using when they're describing uh, the prophecy because from what I remember. I'm not sure of it, but it seemed like the different, you know, there's a couple different religious sects that we're dealing with in this show. Um, Lord of Light. They they all seem to be saying similar, if not the same things, just slightly differently. Um, yeah, I mean, like like a lot of religion. Right. Damn. Kind of reflect, kind of reflect on a very real thing there, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, though. If I was in the Game of Thrones universe and I've seen the things that these people have seen, ain't no goddamn way I'm not believing in the Lord of Light, man. Bro, uh, like, it's right there. <laughs> it, it's, it's right there, bro. The way that, like, she pulls up to the fucking Battle of Winterfell and she's like, uh, uh, Wingardium Leviosa and everything, like, lights on fire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, that's when I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, so the Lord of Light's a real fucking thing. Yeah. Yep. I mean, shit. Is there any other, like, straight-up actual evidence of any other, like, religion working? Not working. I don't want to say it like that. That sounds bad. Um, But, like, any other, like, legitimate, just, like, like... I demand proof. Yeah, like I think that they, I think that the Lord of Light's really the only one where we're like, oh yeah, they're they really being like, yeah, that's the one, that's it. Lord of Light. I mean, I mean the um the the um faceless god. What's it called? The um the god of death. The god of death. Um, oh, the many faced god. Many faced god. That's what it is. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of good. I mean, but I'm not I'm not so positive. The God of Death. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I'm not so positive the God of Death is, you know, so different from the Lord. We are. This is all spawned from the conversation about the dagger that we're having right now. So, uh, yeah, you know, uh, the assassin. Uh, he's, uh, you know, what am I supposed to be here? Uh, he attempts to. He attempts to finish Bran off, and uh, to which Daenerys would be like, "What's that mean?" Uh, but <laughs> damn, <laughs> damn, but. Uh, Catelyn holds the assassin off for a while, has to straight up grab the blade of this dagger. Um, that prophecy in her blood now. Um, and uh, holds holds him off long enough for Bran's dire wolf to run up in here and rip this motherfucker's throat out. Aim at him. He said, no, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, he got him the fuck up out of there. But... Uh, I love that scene, especially considering uh, one of the cool one of the cool differences from the books here is that uh, before Bran fell asleep, he did not get a chance to name his direwolf. Mm. Um, so it was like when he woke up, he was like, "Summer, she's summer," you know, like. Uh, and I, I and it's kind of interesting thinking about the like mm. winter is coming, but some summer's here. You know, like he's 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 got summer right here. Oh, that like is a, actually kind of cute. You know, like maybe that's uh, maybe that's kind of the reason he chose summer. Like I think that I think that'd be cute. But uh, yeah, she she sits there just like fuck yeah, uh, bathing in this dude's blood. Uh, summer comes up, tries to lick it off her a little bit, climbs up in bed, snuggles next to Brands. Like yeah, I got you, homie. Uh, and the way she's just like, thank you. You know, like uh, yeah. 
she was like moments ago, like fucking kill those animals. I'm done, you know. And then this happens. She's like, never mind, bro. All right, fair enough. Because like it is interesting that like while uh, Catelyn was getting attacked, uh, Summer's just kind of chilling there, not doing a whole lot. And then right whenever he goes for Bran is whenever. So like, I guess was Summer in the room the whole time? And then like once Bran was attacked, it was like, all right, that's yeah, my Summer that's was, my owner. Summer wasn't in the room because Summer's who she's hearing howl. Um, outside, uh. Rob leaving and opening the door. Like that was just another example of the weird connection dire wolves and their and their owners have uh because hmm. he was outside I guess I didn't think about that, yeah, yeah, he That's was right. like, all right, I'm on my way, somebody <laughs> something's happening to my dude up there. I gotta figure this out, um, I must protect master, must protect <laughs> must protect, but hmm. uh traveling north, John and Tyrion talk for a moment here and. John asks him, why must you read so much? All right, John. How about you look at me and tell me what the fuck you see, okay? Mm-hmm. Come on now. You want to know something cool. awesome about the transition to this scene? Is yes, it, please. It comes from Daenerys and Drogo doing it, and it's like, well, she's not enjoying it this time. And she looks into her dragon eggs to get find solace. And then the transition comes from her dragon eggs to a fire that is right in front of him, and then pans up slowly to John, oh, and then it just slowly reveals John after the. It goes from Daenerys to the dragon eggs, from the dragon eggs to the fire, and then from the fire to John. And it's it was just like, oh come the fuck on, like geez. beautiful, love that shit. I love shit like that. Yeah. Uh, well, a, a funny thing from the uh, from the books compared to this too. Uh, well, one of the interesting things is that Tyrion is reading a Targaryen history, uh, which they point out in the books as well. So another little bit of that scene is that he is not only we don't only get that transition. He is literally reading a book about Targaryens. <laughs> um, Imagine it's about John. Well, it's it's about Aegon's like the... conquest. He's yeah. he's reading. Oh reading about Aegon's conquest and, and the dragons and shit. And, uh, you know, whenever, whenever Tyrion goes, look at me and tell me what you see. John's like much more polite. Oh, lost, lost our dude. Uh, there he is. <laughs> I wonder, uh, wonder how that'll be handled in the old recording. Oh, did I, did I mess it up? No, you dipped for like half a second. It should I be know. fine. I was trying to look at the the spreadsheet. I think oh no! Shit. Once too many. Got you. Mm. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Uh, it says it's still recording. I think. I think it should be fine. I think it should be fine. We're just gonna go ahead and commit. Fuck it. Um. But the difference here is that John's much more polite in the book. He's like, "Well, you're Tyrion. You're Tyrion Lannister, Lord of Casterly Rock," and and he's like, "Tyrion's like, oh, shut the fuck up, dude. You're far too polite. What you see is a dwarf." If I had been born a peasant, they might have left me out in the woods to die. But alas, I was born a Lannister of Casterly Rock. Things are expected of me. My father was hand of the king for 20 years. John's like, yeah, and your brother killed that king. <laughs> yeah. Ironic, isn't it? Uh, he did. He did. He did do that. Uh, his whole little, my repulsive nephew will be the king after him. I must do my part to honor my house. Wouldn't you agree? 
My brother has his sword and I have my mind and a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone. And Ooh. I think that will be Ooh. for the episode. Damn. A mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone. Yeah. Damn. I read so much Jon Snow. That's a good one. Uh, a mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone? Yes. That's a good one. I agree. That's just a that's just a good quote overall. Not even just for the show. Yeah, that's just like just kind of a show. that's like, a, yeah. that just goes hard in general. Yeah, like um, yo, read some fucking books. Your mind needs it. Your brain could your brain could benefit from it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've always I've always really liked that quote. Tyrion's just full of those. Just the oh yeah, just the great fucking quotes. But. uh yeah, they uh they're traveling north. The party is joined by several several new recruits, uh, rapers who chose to take the black rather than be castrated. And Tyrion tells them most of them most of them prefer to, you know, head head north. Uh, I can't remember which is different. The book and the uh, the book and the show have like an opposite perspective of this, where Tyrion says the opposite thing, where he's like. Like, uh, most choose castration. Like, he says that out of, like, yeah, that's how bad it is out here. I don't think that was in the okay. show, was it? I don't I think, think that was the book. no. Yeah. I think he says most choose the, the wall. Most choose the wall, yeah. In the book, yeah. he goes, most choose castration. Like, wow. That's what, that's what you're headed towards. Um, wow. And, uh, Tyrion tells John, you know, the Night's Watch is not the noble institution it once was, uh, with glorious knights defending the realm against the horrors lurking beyond the wall, yeah, he's like, "But come on, John, you're you're smarter than that anyway. You don't believe the shit your wet nurse told you uh, about the Grumpkins and Snarks and other monsters." And uh, he's and I, I just I just really loved this whole interaction between John and Tyrion because we yeah. don't get a lot of these either uh, interactions between John and Tyrion. One of the most important discussions of the series comes in the finale between John and Tyrion and it's like man like we just come really far with these characters it's so wild to see them oh so, so far they're all like children no matter their age in this first season exactly exactly it's kind of nuts but uh Definitely later nuts. on yeah later on they 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 see the wall and I'm I'm always curious about how far from the wall in that shot where they show the entire wall do you think they are very far the wall is like, it it varies in size so wait for, let me pull it up I have to see cuz the it, it looks pretty far like it, it when I'm it takes up it the entire screen but it looks like they're super far away so like it's just like the, it's that fucking big you know what I'm saying oh yeah cuz you got like the climbing episodes that thing, it's fucking like it's the elevator like, ride. What, how long does it take? It takes like minutes. Um, it it takes a while to get up there. Like oh yeah, the climb took him. The climb took half an episode ish. Yeah. yeah right right. <laughs> God damn yeah that, at least twenty five minutes. Yeah, there's no like no yeah. world where that wasn't made with magic. Like they're they're you know? like. Oh, far, for sure. Far away, they're like not far away, but they're just like it's like you can just see the wall, and it's like it looks you know average. And then times when you're at the wall, and you're just like, that shit is 
crazy. Yo, <laughs> you look, is- yeah, staying at the base and you look up, you probably yeah. end up falling backwards. Yeah, exactly. Like trying to look at the top. <laughs> they're all uh, they're all intimidated by the wall size. They're like, whoa, holy shit, dude, that's a real big bitch. Uh, <laughs> but uh, back at Winterfell, Catelyn goes to the tower that Bran fell from and is like, huh, interesting. We found him right here. There was a window up there. Curious. I'm going to see what is inside. She goes full Sherlock Holmes with this shit. Does a whole bunch of calculations, gets on up there, finds a blonde hair on the floor, and is like, oh, I found my conclusion, Watson. <laughs> uh, and it is it is then that she summons Rob, Theon, Lewin, and Roderick to tell them that she suspects the worst. The Lannisters tried to kill Bran because he might have seen something in the tower. And this whole scene in the book was one I just really, really appreciated because uh, Rob's like, why on earth would they want to kill a little kid? And uh, Catelyn's like, come on now, think about it for like half a second. You got this. And he's like, because it, it reminds me of like Superman 78 whenever Lex Luthor's like helping uh, <laughs> his his dude and the, the chick who follow him around like uh, get to conclusions and like. Oh, it's gonna kill him. You know, like they're like, holy shit, that's it. Uh, like that's, that's what this kind of reminded me of. And Rob being like, uh, cause they don't want him to be able to talk about it when he wakes up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Rob and Theon are like, fuck yeah, let's get it, baby. Theon's like, my house owes yours a great debt. If it comes to that, I'm there. And, and Rob's like, I'll fucking gut the man. He, he t- tears his sword out and Lewin's like, Ahem, excuse you. We don't know everything. Words of war often leads to act, often lead to acts of war. We don't need that shit right now. We need to figure everything out. I was like, okay, Lewin, come on with the bars. Come on with the bars. Uh, but, uh, Catelyn decides that Ned must know the truth immediately and resolves that someone needs to travel south. She's like, any takers? Psych, it'll be me. Uh, <laughs> it, shall, it shall be me heading south. Uh, they're like, no, but what about Rickon? <laughs> no, how about Bran? I've done all I can for Bran. It's in Lewin's hands now. Sorry and shit. I'm going south, baby. Vacation. And shit. Honestly, that's kind of... What? She... Okay, I, w- I was kind of defending Cat uh, before and being like, yeah, no, she's totally right and being like, no, fuck Ned for leaving. But like, here, she's leaving her son that's in a coma, that is looking good, and things are getting better, but, but like, she's yeah, saying, fuck that. And the other kid that doesn't even know how to, I don't know, shit, prob- probably, probably still shits in his diaper at this point, I call, don't know. Call the dog Shaggy Dog, come on now, man. Um, like, I don't know. This kind of, kind of a little messed up for her to leave here too. Like, I I can see, I can see that for sure. But I tend to think I forgive this one a lot more just because it's her finally, um, getting off her ass, you know, like she's, she's been going through it for months. It's time for her to reclaim, time for her to reclaim that power she's had and go back into the field. You know, like she's like, I'm time time i do something you know know, i gotta protect this house she has been sitting there for a month like even though brand doesn't know that you know like he'll be told that whenever he's woken up you know yeah Yeah, your mom your mom was here every day sitting right by your side so yeah you know what oh yeah man you missed a lot uh your mom heads south because she thinks that uh that jamie tried to kill you so she had to tell dad and uh 
And then uh, we haven't heard from her in a while. She thinks that maybe dad and the, the girls are going to get killed. Um, yeah, I guess Brand can't be too mad because his mother was literally right. Like, she exactly. literally got it spot on. And Brand probably would want her to do exactly what she's doing. So. Hey, and one day, even if even if Brand's not told that, he'll know. <laughs> he knows everything. Yeah. So he knows exactly what the fuck happened while he was asleep. You know what I'm saying? Uh, fuck. But, uh, he knows. He knows fucking everything. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, she decides she's going to head south, and Sir Roderick will escort her while Rob remains in Winterfell to rule the castle. And that's where we leave Winterfell for now. And lastly, we're heading on the King's Road. We're at the inn where uh, the royal party reaches the inn, and uh, it's, a, it's a nice stop where we will not stop for the last time. We kind of come through this spot a lot over the course of the show, but uh, Prince Joffrey's bodyguard uh, Sandor Clegane, the Hound, introduces Sansa to Sir Illyn Payne, the king's headsman, uh, who she will become frighteningly close to because he kills her dad. Oh. Uh, yeah, very scary man who's had his tongue taken out on the orders of the Mad King many years ago. Doesn't have a lot to say, so says Joffrey. Not much, not much. Uh, yeah, very, very much so. But Joffrey saves Sansa from this unpleasantness. Oh, my oh my lady, you mustn't see such things. Come on now. We, we're going to go get fucked up. Let's go drink some wine. Um, takes her for a walk along the riverbank where they hear clanging nearby, wood pattering against each other. And Sansa be like, we should turn back. And Joffrey being like, nothing will hurt you out here, my lady. Let us go. Oh, you hear wood slapping against each other. Stop being a pussy. You ain't got to protect anyone from shit. In fact, you get bitched here in a second. Fuck <laughs> God, Joffrey just sucks so much. Dude, he's it's, so fucking terrible. It's incredible. I, I would love to have like a heart rate monitor and like a blood pressure monitor. And just whenever he's on screen, because I'm, I guarantee there. my blood legitimately feels like it is fuming, like boiling. Whenever I just I'm see getting, him, like I'm mad, I literally, like literally, I do just get mad. Just <laughs> whatever the chemical is for anger. Um, that amygdala is getting fucked up. Is that really what it? Is? That's nuts. Amygdala. That's a that's a part of the brain that uh, sends oh. senses to. It, it helps with you. It, ah, it, so my amygdala is popping off like, right now. Bang, 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 bang. Fuck okay. you, fuck you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but yeah, it's really, it's really fucking it up in there. But uh, they find Arya practicing her sword work with Micah, the butcher's boy. Uh, and Joffrey pretends to take offense in Micah using a sword on the sister of his betrothed. He's like, "You, that's my sister. You, that's my, that's my lady sister that you're hurting there." And Arya being like, leave him alone, leave him alone. And Sansa being like, you stay out of this. I was like, that's a bad look on Sansa, bro. This is rough. Mm. Oh, yeah. I was like, now I remember why I just didn't fuck with her like the first time I watched this. You know what I'm saying? Like the first time <laughs> I watched this, I was like, mm. it was this moment specifically that put a bad taste in my mouth for Sansa. Like this this episode, mm. you know, being like, a, I didn't see anything. I don't remember. It all happened so fast. Like, ah, hold it down for your sister, boo. I get it, but shit. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, he goes ahead and cuts Micah's face with his sword. Lion's tooth. Uh, but Arya goes ahead and hits him with a stick on the head. 
And uh, Joffrey becomes very threatened and decides, you know what? I'm going to swing my sword at this girl. Why not? Uh, Big swing. Arya, like, legitimately did some pretty impressive dodging here. Oh, yeah. Um, it should have hit her. You know, she's she's got the instincts down. Uh, but, uh, mm. yeah, it's, it's not going well for her. He, she, he gets her down. She's got him. He's got her dead to rights, and then Nymeria attacks. Another another dire wolf save here. Uh, biting Joffrey's arm. Micah runs off. Arya grabs Lion's tooth and holds it at Joffrey, and Joffrey begs for his life. No, please. I'm fucking bitch boy. <laughs> Be glad she didn't just kill you here. Mm-hmm. For real. How different things would have been if she did. Um. Uh, she goes ahead, takes that sword, runs to the river, and throws it on out there. And Sansa goes to Joffrey, oh, my prince, my sweet prince, look what they did to you. I'm going to make sure everything's okay. Shut the fuck up, wench! <laughs> Get off me! Don't look at me, don't talk to me, I've got things to do! Oh, fucking God. God damn it, I hate that motherfucker. You just talking man. about him. God, I just oh, want to... Uh, uh, Dude, man. But uh, oh. Arya, Arya makes her way off with Nymeria, knowing that she will be punished for this, and uh, forces the dire wolf to flee. Throws a rock at her, and she's like, Arr! runs away. And I'm like, ah, damn, damn. And not the last time we see Nymeria, which nope. is very, very cool. We we only get one more look at her, but uh, very uh, just. Mm. A shame they parted ways here, but uh, the gap in the book between her being found and her getting her direwolf to run away is four days. Arya was missing in the woods for four days um, before she was brought to the king, according to the book. I don't know if it's the same here, but that's like it kind of makes Ned's mm. the way Ned is like acting make a little more sense if you go. Oh, like this didn't just happen earlier today and he's been worried. He's been, it's been a, an emotional four days of them being there, mm. you know, like, uh, looking for Arya. But, uh, she's been, uh, she's been taken before the king who is angered that this minor quarrel has become a major incident with, uh, you know, the, everyone just blaming each other. This was extremely reminiscent mm. of season one, episode seven of House of the Dragon. Uh, mm. where the kids where the kids got into the fight yeah. and they were before all the parents and Viserys is like, come on, guys, god damn it. Yeah. Stop yeah. all this goddamn quarreling. Fuck. Uh I mean kinda like Alicent being like, Well, gimme give gimme give uh his eye too is kind mm -hmm. of like Cersei being like, Well, they have, we wolves. have another wolf. Okay. Let's well, just kill I'll, that random fucking wolf. How about I'll that? I'll take it that my uh my uh prince's or my son's future wife i'm gonna kill her wolf and when like ned like bursts in and he's like what is the meaning of this and like mm. him and aria embrace and she, he's like are you okay like uh mm. what's go what's going on and she's like yeah i'm fine i'm fine i'm sorry i'm sorry and he's like it's, it's okay just stay over here mm. what is the meaning of this like the whole scene he's like practically on the verge of tears mm -hmm. which i think is like a really really interesting choice from sean bean because it's like like he don't fuck around when it comes to his kids, you know. Like, uh, mm. that was yeah. like a 
I think Ooh. in the show, it's more of a the same night sort of thing. Uh, because so. Ned is like, uh, he says, why wasn't my daughter brought to, brought to me at once? I think if it was, if it was four days, well, maybe, I guess it could make sense. Like, why not after four days was my daughter brought to me? Why was yeah. she brought to the king? I guess maybe it could, I don't know, I guess it could well, still no be. What, it's, it's at least been four hours. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's true. the night as compared to the It's day. been time. Yeah, there's it's been some been, time. Like, it's been enough time. Like, even after an hour of your child being missing, I'm sure you've reached that point, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, Joffrey offers up a false account of the incident, saying that they attacked her, that oh, they attacked him, took his sword and threw it in the river. And uh, they're like, do we have a non-biased witness that can that can corroborate this? Where is Sansa? She's in her bed asleep. No, she's not. Bring Sansa in. The courtroom <laughs> gasps. Oh, my stars. She's here. Whatever do we do? And, uh, <laughs> Sansa's like, I didn't see anything. I don't remember. It all happened so fast. And Robert being like, God damn it. She tells me one thing. He tells me another. What am I supposed to do here? And uh, they ultimately come to the conclusion that uh, the king will discipline his child. Ned should discipline Arya. But Cersei demands, what about the dire wolf? Oh, gods be damned. I forgot about the wolf. Uh, and she's like, we should we should put down Nymeria. Nobody can find her, your grace. Well, we have another one. And Robert just goes, you know what? Do what you will. I'm gonna. I'm not. I won't have any any part of this. Now, what's cool about this in the book is that Robert uh, Ned goes to Robert and goes, "You do it. The one who gives the sentence should." Oh my fuck! That's sick! Swing the sword. He goes, you fucking do it. And then that's when Robert just walks out. Mm-hmm. And he's, and then Ned's like, alright. A butcher shouldn't do it. It's of the north. I should do it. I'll do it. Um, so that's... I think it would have been cool wow. for them to already put like a little bit of like a a wedge between Ned and Robert here with him being like, fine then. You fucking do it, pussy. If this is your, if this is your ruling, this is yeah. what you're gonna do. Wow, but, they had the perfect opportunity when he said, "Is this is this your reign?" You know, yeah. like this, they could have just slipped it in right there. Like, yeah, how about huh. you fucking do it, man? Yeah, uh, but or is this your command? Yeah. Another wolf, and he walks on out. Whenever Sansa like turns to Ned and is like, "This was like very early on an amazing piece of acting from Sophie Turner." Like, uh, mm. are they talking about Lady? No, not Lady. Lady is good. Like the. Mm. The mix of like fear yeah. and sadness and anger in her when she says that is just like, mm. oh god damn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that only gets way deeper, way deeper. <laughs> way deeper. Way deeper. But uh I also like that Arya in this moment is willing to ride for Sansa in a way that Sansa would not have been willing to ride for Arya. Uh because Arya goes, Hey, lady didn't have shit to do with this. Okay, don't do nothing to Lady. You know, like, she's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Uh, immediately mm-hmm. writing for Sansa after Sansa did not do the same for her. So I was like, okay, I fucks with Arya. I fucks with Arya. But uh, Furious, Ned attends to the matter himself along his way there, uh, passing the Hound with Micah's bloodied corpse on the back of the horse. Ned 
disgusted. It's like, you rode him down. And the hound's like, well, he, he ran. Not very fast. <laughs> Not very fast. <laughs> Rough. Rough. But we, we, we see Ned with Lady. Gives her a few pets and boops. Nice little goodbye for the dog here. Um, and as he cuts the dog's throat, I'm assuming. Uh, oh, yeah. What do you do? What is the most humane way? You know? Yeah, like in I, this I, time I, period. I'm not even gonna fucking think about it, homie. I'm gonna tell you Damn. that. Damn. <laughs> it's it's what awakens brand, and this was another couple, like mm. a couple more things booked to move or booked to show. Uh, difference wise is Ned immediately asks Jory who who wasn't really prominent in this episode and actually hung back in Winterfell I think uh, he asked Jory or no Jory has Sansa and he asks Jory to like take her to the, take them to their rooms he tells Jory to like uh, mm. uh, make sure this dog is brought take four men send this dog back to Winterfell and bury it in the north um and he's like, sir, all this for a dog? And he's like, yeah, that fucking bitch of a queen isn't going to get another pelt today. Mm. You know, I'm not going to let her take this yeah. dog's fur. Fuck no. Fuck no. Uh, I absolutely love that. And then big difference from book to show is that Bran is having a massive, massive vision quest when he wakes up. Uh, he's getting his first visit from the three-eyed raven in his dreams. Uh, when he wakes up, mm. uh, it shows him shows him Sir Roderick Cassell bent over a bar, scrambling for his life. Shows him John at the wall, freezing his ass off. It shows Ned bent over a bar, like it. Sh it shows like this vision was like very very telling for Bran early on. And uh, yeah. there's a part where he like uh he sees a blonde man that says, uh, Oh, the things I do for love. And the three eyed Raven goes, no, not that. Forget that. Mm. Like, uh, Nope. You won't remember that. Cause Brand wow. doesn't, he doesn't remember it when he wakes up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. You're, man. That's what, I don't know. The books in the mood, like in the show, they have their, their own. The books are so good. But I don't want to like say that they're better than the show because like the show does some things better than the book does. Yeah, but the I think book, I don't know. There. Yeah, I think there's a balance there. Like, um, yeah, it's impossible to achieve the grandiose narrative that George R. R. Martin put in the book in its complete in its complete form on screen, or else it's gonna like the audio book for book one is over thirty hours. Mm. Season one of Game of Thrones is ten hours. You know, like. <laughs> Yeah, we're not we're not getting that much out of it uh, in yeah. comparison to the book. Uh, and uh, that that would be the conclusion of the episode. And boy, what a fucking goodie it was. Do we what a, uh, it was. Do we have any more favorites to assign before we jump into I the need a favorite character? Um, And I, I, you put Tyrion, I think, Colton. And I was trying to give it to someone else, but god damn. Tyrion just... He was... I don't know, his conversations with Jon. Him at, at the beginning at breakfast. Um, no, nah, he was my last week. I can't go Tyrion again. Gotta go someone else. <laughs> See, this is what this is why I'm... I'm, I'm uh, 
stuck. Oh, fuck it. I'll go Ned. Always he good. was good. Yeah, he Ned, Ned had some good Ned. progression, uh, actually, this, this episode. So you're uh, going performance Ned and character Ned. Yes. I respect it, as that was <laughs> what I did last week. Mm. Wow. There we I go. Give, gotta give Ned his uh, flyers while he can't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Precisely. But, uh, Tavares, you got a favorite scene off the top of your head? Favorite scene? Or character? Character, I'm probably, I probably gotta go with, um, I don't know, I fucked with Arya in this episode. Arya's That's a good choice. choice. Laying down the law. Got I like that. that. That's a good bit of foreshadowing there as well. She's just kind of about it. Um, that's that's clear pretty early. Uh, so this is the moment where she shines. But scene, I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about that one. I'm not, I'm not positive yet. I'm not positive. All right. All right. Well, Colton's is Arya and John's goodbye, and mine is John and Ned's goodbye to Cat and Bran. So they're both goodbyes mm-hmm. and both very sad parts of the episode. So um. I, think, I think I'll do. <laughs> I think I'll do John and Ned's goodbye. Yeah, um, there we go. Full circle. All the goodbyes. Yeah. So that's a that's a, that was a solid scene, you know, that, 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 that <laughs> a lot of the season kind of hinges on. For sure. Oh yeah. For sure. That's a line that we don't know the importance of until much, much later on. Ways. Way away a ways. But, but uh, how about a rating for this bad boy? We got three ratings that we take the average of, and it becomes our overall rating for the episode. Out of 10, we've got enjoyment, we've got genre, and we've got critical. And uh, enjoyment, just how much we're digging it personally. Genre, how well it fulfills this fantasy Game of Thrones shit we've come to know. And then critical, all things considered. Writing, direction, action, or acting, and uh, uh, score. At moments, very strong in this episode as well. Um, all those things considered and more, and it becomes the overall rating for the episode after we take the average of them. So, let's start with enjoyment. How are we feeling about this one? I don't think it's a 10 as far as, like, last episode, uh, we gave it 10. I don't think this one's a we 10. Hmm? Oh, we gave it a 10 genre, 8.5. Uh, never mind. Yeah, okay. That makes more sense now. Even Even more sense. Um, well, because I'm not going to cap with you personally, I do think I find myself enjoying this episode more than I like the first episode. I think it takes what the first episode did. It advances on it in a really compelling way, because here's what I'm going to tell you. If I don't like the second episode after that banger of a premiere, I might not push forth with the show. I might just be like, ah, fuck it. You know, like, uh, maybe I can drop this. This is the one they hooked me. They were like, yep, you in it now. You in it. You know? That's true. Yeah. Um, a little late. A little late. Uh, <laughs> I think I. I don't know. I think like eight, seven, five, or maybe nine, even for enjoyment. Then I think I. I. Uh, I think I do like it more than episode one. Uh, because I was like, oh, we gave episode one a ten. I don't think this is a perfect ten. But now that seeing that episode one is an eight point five. That makes more sense, and I do think I enjoy this episode more than episode one. 
Because, I don't know, yeah, episode one just set up all the characters, and this episode gave you the juice, like the start of the juice of all the different storylines. Um, yeah, I, I find myself more at that nine, at about a nine for this one, you know? I do think there have been, there have been, hey, 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 buddy, hi, Trenton. <laughs> we're actually in the, the home stretch here. We just got to the rating of the episode, so we're two hours deep. We're just, uh, we're just now getting to the rating of it. Um, <laughs> we're coming. Ah, you're a sweetheart. You're a sweetheart. Then, uh, you you continue. Then you get a live listen here. Live uh, listen. Live audience. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking I'm coming down at about a nine enjoyment wise. Uh, I think I'm sitting somewhere around an eight, to be honest, just because I feel like I want to give space for the the way that the show builds itself out and mm. not that season one isn't isn't great but season one doesn't doesn't really compare i feel like to the best moments of the show i think um, you're right i think you're right and you know that's fair that's fair i'd be i'd be comfortable bringing that down to about the same as as episode one i'd even be i'd even be comfortable dropping down to an 825 uh i just uh on a personal note i think that i i prefer this episode to episode one and uh, in a vacuum, I know that I I really really enjoy watching it. Um, oh yeah, no, no, and the foreshadowing in this episode particularly is elite. It is, it is it's there. Nuts. It's nuts. No, it's like the same as episode one. Okay, it's like this because like episode one, you have kind of like the hype behind it too. Like you're starting something new. It's like all fresh and and really fun. Right. Uh, and in this one, this episode, you don't have that uh, at all, but it's still it's still up brand. there. So like even right. so, it's it's kind of like even though the ratings are the same, like the episode itself is better, but it's because like episode one just has like that initial boost that starting a new show just automatically kind of has. No, I feel that. I feel you on that. Uh, then I think that's fair. I think eight five is about about the right place to come down, splitting what me and Tab are feeling, and just going right there in the middle. Mm. Uh, Genre wise, what we come to know Game of Thrones as, and fantasy television in general, how how are we feeling about this episode? Mm. I mean, as far as fantasy goes, it's not it's not very much fantasy, but that's what's so good about Game of Thrones, right? Like, do we discount? It's um, focus on the politics and reality of the universe as opposed to its po- its focus on the fantasy. No, yeah, see, that's my thing is that uh, that's why I also considered what we come to know Game of Thrones as. Like, Game of Thrones is more than just fantasy. You know, like it is a it is a family drama wrapped wrapped up in fantasy. You know what I'm saying? It is a. Uh, uh, political drama wrapped up in fantasy and i think that we get all all sides of that uh not all sides of that here you know we we do obviously have depths that we we go to that are a bit uh more grandiose than this one uh but uh i think i think Mm. it does fairly well i don't think it's uh you know one of the things that i think made game of thrones game of thrones is these small conversations in rooms which is kind of all this episode is you know we don't uh we're not seeing a lot of action besides dogs biting little pricks of can- little pricks princess uh, little prick pr- little prick princes. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> we at, okay. We did give last episode a ten. Um, 
And I think I actually agree with that. I think partially it was because it was like um, everyone, all these huge characters were all in the same place. Like all that. Well, I guess like, I don't know. It's it, it, maybe it was uh, more. Well, we are. I think we did say we are rating this as a rewatch. Yeah. Right. So I guess. Okay. So that is fair to put into the rating. Yeah, I think there. it just, it just set the tone so effectively in, in yeah. episode one. So it's like okay. now yeah, we're right. just kind of expanding beyond that and uh it does a very good job maintaining that tone but there's it's nothing it's nothing groundbreaking as episode one kind of felt like you know what i'm saying like uh so i i i find myself again around an eight eight five you know what i'm saying like uh it it does really well but it's not uh it's not all this show becomes you know we don't we don't get dragons and we don't get a battle or anything and you know those are pretty crucial to fantasy fantasy genres but uh like we don't even get a throne, you know. Like we we, we don't we don't even see shit like that, you know. Uh, mm. There's not there's not much you know lore. There, there, like there, there's just, yeah, there's the King's Road. Just, not much lore itself. Yeah, I don't know. I'd say like eight. Okay, eight, eight sounds fair. Yeah, I'm um, there. Because like, that's the thing is like eight. It sounds like low to us. You know, like eight, like, but like, it, it's still very good. That is like still a very like eighty yeah. percent. Like, I don't doing know, still very good. Yeah, you're doing solid. Um, and critically, it it probably doesn't rise super far above that. Um, hmm. it was a it was a good it was a good narrative. The acting was really good. Um, but again, I think we're left with an example of the show where it's finding its visual style. And therein doesn't stand out in a lot of moments, uh, visually. I don't think. I think it's just kind of a. Uh, it's not dull, you know. Like there's still things that are like, oh yeah, this is this is beautiful, and it's 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 beautiful in its mundanity, you know. Like it's there's nothing too glorious about it yet, and mm. uh, I think Tim Van Patten did really really well, but. I don't think he's taken a lot of risks early on with this show in terms of trying to branch its style out there. And I think we do get to a point where its style becomes a little bit more bold. And I just don't, I don't think we're there yet. Um, I think maybe it's just right on the same line as last episode. Like again, the acting was great. The story, you know, it's, it's not like we have a, a super complete arc or anything like that, like a super satisfying beginning to end sort of thing. Um, but it was just like a nice, we get the pace now. It is very slow. It's, we're, we're taking our time. You know, we're really, really getting to know these characters and it's just another one of those episodes. And it, it doesn't feel like any conversation was really unimportant though, is the thing that, that that's, that's like how, that's what Game of Thrones does, is they can just take what seems like just boring conversation, but somehow it's all important. Like, exactly. all of it. Um, so yeah, I think I think maybe it's like on the same level as last episode, if not even um, a bit more, because I feel like more acting actually had to happen this episode. They went um, little, I think they went a little harder performance-wise, so I'd be, I'd be willing to give it that 2-5 bump up to 8-2-5. If, if you're feeling me there. I like that. I agree. Cool. Well, if, if that is it, that averages the episode out to an 825. Um, 83% which, on the tomato wow. meter. 
We are actually harsher than IMDb on this one. Mm. Um, given an 8.6, um, on IMDb for the episode. There you go. Um, wow. Hmm. Interesting. And that's, that's 38,000 reviews in there. So that's, that's quite, that's, that's pretty, it's a quite, that's quite the episode. So with us giving it an 83%, that's a pretty damn good episode of television. And there's only room to grow here from Game of Thrones and room to go down. You know, there's a, mm-hmm. there are episodes worse than this. There are episodes better than this. It's certain, but uh, it was another great one. And I'm so thankful we're covering this week to week. I think thus we conclude this episode of Winter is Blooming. Any parting thoughts on the episode, or are we are we ready to sign off here? I think we are ready. I'm trying to see if. Wow. Um. Oh, that's season rating. I, I was trying to see if there was a uh, tomato rotten tomato score per episode. Oh no, it is. Yeah, never mind. It's given uh, a 100 percent by 18 critics. Wow. Um, yeah, so pretty. okay. Um. Very loving on on rotten tomatoes over there. Pretty but, fucking um, good. <laughs> But uh, okay. Yeah, then I guess with that, we'll conclude this episode of Winter is Blooming, a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast. We'll be back next week for episode three titled Lord Snow. Um, if you would, head to patreon.com slash Bloom. That's C O R O B L O O M, where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, including comic book reviews weekly, book reviews uh, pretty regularly, movie reviews less often. But we, you know, all that extra com, all, all that extra content, right over there for you for three bucks a month. All that money goes back into making sure I can put this podcast on. Cost me money, and I don't make any unless it's over there on uh, Patreon.com/slash Bloom. So, if you would head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod. Follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. If you're fucking with the pod and you're watching Star Wars Andor, we got a few weeks left to cover that. Only three episodes left. We're doing that every Wednesday and every Friday. We continue our 52-year journey through film. This Friday brings us to The Big Short. Very, very, uh, as bad a fun a film you can make about the housing crisis as possible. (laughs) And that, so that's this Friday, The Big Short. Uh, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And thank you, the magnificent Tavares Pennington. No problem at all. It'd be uh, Oh, it was good to have you back, buddy. It was good to ha- And thank you, Trenton, for listening in for these last few minutes. You're a real one. Uh, but with that, remember, peace, love, and bloom. And his mind needs books like a sword needs a whetstone.